The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Rediscovering the Indies, an independent wrestling history podcast brought to you by the BICBP Radio Network. I want to, of course, thank all the guys over there, as well as Matt Johnson in the podcast precinct studio, where we record every month uh, for this show. But I am Chris Gullo, joined alongside Jonathan Ash. Hey, hey. And uh, we uh, have a very fun topic today, but before we get into that, want to kind of give out social medias and whatnot. Uh, make sure that you follow us on Twitter at RTI Pod, uh, Instagram, Rediscovering Indies, as well as Facebook, Rediscovering Indies. And, you know, subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, as well as we're on Google Podcasts now as well. So, uh, or you could always find the podcast on the BICBP uh, Radio Network website as well. But, uh, Last month's episode was a lot of fun. We talked about Roland Alexander uh, and his influence on West Coast and independent wrestling as a whole and kind of all the infamous events that followed him. Um, got a lot of good feedback from that. Uh, he People said it was fair. A lot of people that like trained under him said it was fair. You know, I mean, he did a lot of good and there was some controversy, <laughs> but for the most part, we got a good response. If you guys remember, we did an episode before on Dale, Gagner, Gagne, whatever. Uh, didn't get that much of a response. Is it being fair? So well, the the fans, the, the, the fans. most of the listeners believed it was fair and uh, like saw it as, as fair. But like the subject matter didn't really think it was fair. A close associate of Mr. Gagner's contacted us and wanted to come on the show as a guest. To set things straight, I did tell him that, unfortunately, we don't do guests on this type of format. Now, maybe maybe we'll do something different, maybe a YouTube, whatever it may be, but I can always stress this enough. We don't just go off of random stories that a wrestler told us, that a wrestler told him, and a wrestler told him. We're, we're using the Observer. We're using the Torch. We're using newspaper articles. We're using Cage Match. Uh, for that citypages.com who did an in-depth interview with Dale. So we didn't just make up things on the fly. Now was maybe Meltzer a little bit aloof on details. Same with Keller. Maybe, but that's not our place to judge that. You know, these were the guys covering that wrestling for 30 plus years. So if you're mad at our coverage, I understand. And I, and I get it, but of all people, I didn't think that was going to be the episode where people go, oh, wait a minute. Like, because I got good feedback with Blackcraft, Roland Alexander, you know, Ballpark Brawls, and, and the NWA title. I mean, people that were close to Dennis Carluzzo said we did a great job. So, <laughs> I, I just do not understand. You would that was the episode. <laughs> I, I honestly thought Blackcraft would have been the one yes. that got us a lot of heat, but... Oh no! That 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 was the episode apparently to trigger people. But that being said, we want to thank every single person who listens. Uh, I know we've been getting uh, some nice traction and everything like that. Um, 
a lot of a lot of a lot of fans have been like kind of sending us videos and stuff like that uh, uh, Toby Plumahorn, uh, a listener of ours, actually sent me the John Cena CW Anderson match. <laughs> so I, I, that was pretty cool. Uh, they sent that that we talked about in the last show. Um, and just getting some re- really good feedback here. Uh, I know recently uh, uh, we got some pretty pro- prolific likes and listens. So just want to thank everybody who's been listening and, and supporting all of us, uh, supporting us while we continue this. And tell us what you want to see on the Facebook, the Twitter, Instagram. What well, we want to hear, I should say. What do you want to hear us talk about? We put that question out last week. We got a lot of good feedback, and this was one of the topics brought up here. So let's get right into it. The ECWA Super 8 Tournament, East Coast Wrestling Alliance. So what this tournament is, is it is a tournament of eight of the best independent, young, up-and-coming independent wrestlers, and they crown an ECW Super 8 champion in one night. Uh, this tournament is something you would think you would hear going on five years ago, six years ago, maybe 10 years ago. But this tournament has been going on since 1997. Very innovative. Now, ECWA in itself is something that has lasted a very long time. There, Some people say it's been around since 1967, but with newspapers, you can see like early results and stuff. 1980, I believe, is kind of the earliest. Yeah, from what... Um, for what we know, uh, in 1985, uh, they were advertising their their five-year anniversary show. So that puts it around 1980. Um, still a long time. Now, ECWA is based in the Delaware area, and you would know more of this than me. Like, did WWF tour there a lot pre-Hogan? Uh, yeah, but... I don't know exactly in that specific it would be McMahon town. territory. Yeah, because it's it's suburban Philly. It's around the Philadelphia area, and that is where uh, I believe Grill Monsoon was the local promoter for that. So yeah, WWE went there. I mean, we've talked about before, like what what was the rise of the Indies? The, the Indies that we know of is when WWE did their national expansion and stopped running all these high school gyms and all these small towns because they just didn't have enough room on the schedule. But you had all these local promoters in all these small towns that still had deals with venues and still wanted to run shows. And that's where they started running independent shows, getting a few a few older names that WWE wasn't using anymore, some some rookies, and started building up. And that's how today's indies came to be in throughout the late 80s, early 90s. And ECWA seems to be like one of those two that started up that way using a lot of the old uh, former WWE guys, like the King Kong Bundys, the Nikolai Volkoffs. Captain Lou. Yes. Uh, and Jim Kettner, who was the owner of ECWA for a long time, he was a Northeast uh, wrestler, and I'm sure he probably at least did some undercard stuff. Uh, at that time uh, for McMahon and because there was always a relationship there for a long time as you tell with some of these results uh, in the 90s and early 2000s there's definitely some type of there was a working relationship yeah and during the official developmental yeah during the late 90s even before like when before OVW early around the time that OVW was starting out like a lot of WWE contracted guys went to work for ECWA you had Test, Christian Cage, the Hardys Uh, they were booking a lot of the undercard guys Mean Street Posse got some time in ECWA. So, obviously, like they, they did have a deal. I think uh, it wasn't a Super 8 tournament, but there wasn't one-off show that I found that uh, Michael Hayes came in in, like, 99 or 2000 and did a seminar. S- seminar slash training camp. 
WWE training camp and then actually worked on the show. So obviously they had that connection. That might be one of his last matches. It might have been. Yeah. Um but yeah, a lot of that I I know Cornette uh had a hand in a lot of that too. Was, uh cuz Cornette handled a lot of third-party bookings during his time in the office there in the late 90s sending guys to Dennis Carluzzo and uh, Jim Kettner and other other places too. So it was that connection that Kettner had with uh with the WWE and with a lot of these top guys. And just it just shows that this isn't just a fly by night shindy fed. Like they had some some they had big names looking at them and paying attention to what they're doing and they were respected enough to know like this isn't a rinky dink operation. Well, Delaware is an interesting market and because you are close to Philadelphia and New Jersey and you're really not far from Baltimore and you but you're very tiny and you don't hear of all these promotions running in Delaware. Like there's some here and there once in a while, but it's not something that's got a lot of promotions in it. And I think with, with Kettner was he wanted to do something at home, something could probably make him a little bit of money, something would be a regular running thing as much as he can. And but he never overstepped his bounds. You don't hear of them like going into the heart of Philadelphia or trying to run the ECW arena or you know, or how we're going to New York. You know, we're going to go run, you know, Brooklyn or Manhattan. Going to, yeah. You know, like, you, you really don't hear that with him. And, and it, it's funny because, like, I don't consider him a territory. I, even though they say it dates back to 1980 or 1967, I consider it is still just a, like an independent. Like, I think a territory has to be you're running at least five nights a week. Like, you're you're going town and town and town in a loop. In the description of, like, the old school territory of the 70s, 80s, and before that. Yeah, like you, you, you're a one-town territory, which isn't out of the ordinary. Like Houston was like that, Kansas City was like that, St. Louis was like that. But even like they still ran more often than what Kettner was running. But I remember watching the Legends of the Wrestling Roundtable, and they were talking territories, and they were talking about territories that are still around in some day. And some guys, oh, Jim Kettner has been around forever. So like. Guys like Taz and Jim Ross consider, consider it, you know, a, a territory. But. I mean, in that aspect, Game Changer could be considered a territory, too, because yeah. they run, like, before, pre, pre-pandemic, they were running several times a month, mostly within the New York metropolitan area, New Jersey, Philadelphia area, and then shows elsewhere. But, yeah, I think, like, just from looking at Cage Match, they were running... Wilmington, which is a small town, like 70,000, but they also, like, they're within the Philadelphia, Camden geographical area, like you said. So, like, they could pull people from there. And they're running about once a month, which is on on par for indies up in the Northeast. And, like, what I've always explained to a lot of younger talent that kind of look at, like, how the Northeast indies work and Southern indies, so, like, Southern territories always ran towns once a week. So that's why, like, even today, like, in Tennessee, there's indie feds that are running once every week in the same town. You could find indies running every every night of the week, different indies. In New York, like, the, the old WWWF territory, you only had – you only had WWWF coming to your town once a month, maybe yeah. once every other – once maybe twice a month. But it it wasn't an every week thing. Like, yeah. Same thing with AWA, but like I think like Allentown so, and a few others when the only people like are got like yeah, 
But like they will only come to Buffalo once a month. They only come to Rochester, Syracuse. They only come to Philly once a month. They get the Garden what every three to four weeks. Same thing in Boston. So I always say like that's fans are accustomed in this area to only go to wrestling once a month. Like I don't think a weekly territory, weekly indie fed could survive in the Northeast. Yeah, with based on that. Well, and I think. And and here's where, like, ECWA is one of those things that, like, you hear about it, but you don't hear about it in the same light of other indies that you have all the time is not just running, but I think it's it's a weird market. And what I mean by that is, is that you do have that traditional WWE, WWF audience who ha- likes a certain style of wrestling, right? And that's why they would bring in a lot of names like Snuka and Bundy and all that. But... You are also literally a stone's throw from ECW area, which really revolutionized <laughs> wrestling. And we've seen a lot of what we see today really come out of the Philadelphia, Jersey area. So it's it's kind of funny. It's kind of like where these two worlds meet. And you can tell with these cards, it's like these, yeah. like, oh, here wrestling is changing and it's, you know, it's, it's high flying and it's brawling and this and that. And, but, hey, you know, remember the good old days and, you know, and all the old school stars of the day. Like, it's like this collision. Watching some of the early Super 8 tournaments on IWTV, which all of them are on there except the second and I believe the 17th one? The 18th. Um, but all the other ones are on IWTV. And I'm watching one of the early ones and ECW hat guy is in the front row. So I'm wondering how much how many fans how much overlap that they had between like the phil the philly fan base and delaware and how many people would go to both so like yeah you it shows that you kind of have that mix too there so it's it's definitely an interesting interesting uh dynamic uh that they have created here and you know we're gonna mostly talk about the tournament so we're gonna like deep dive into the whole history of, of ECWA because uh, it is a long history and maybe that's something we'll do down the line. But, you know, to really paint a picture, like this is an independent that has lasted forever because they know their market. They don't overstep their bounds. And yeah, maybe they should publicize more and maybe try to go out a little more, but a lot of companies have done that and they have a good couple year run and then they're gone. Well, we could say ECWA is still kicking. To this day, they're still around. So. They've got they've got their main venues. They've got their dedicated fan base, and they can churn out talent and and sell out buildings. All right, so let's uh, we'll get right into it here. Uh, 1997 was the first ECWA Super Eight, and that was held at the St. Matthew's Parish Hall in Wilmington, uh, Delaware. Now, uh, I'm going to tell you a couple non-tournament matches before we actually talk about the tournament matches. Uh, Non-tournament matches you saw on that card was Boogie Woogie Brown beating King Kong Bundy. Oh, I just want to say, if you watch the show on IWTV, that was the main event. Not the finals of the tournament, but King Kong Bundy in the main event, which I have no problem with. He was a draw, especially during that time. But... It just goes to show, like, at the beginning of the – when the tournament started, they knew I right, we got to – Bundy is the draw here, and he needs to be in the main to get the – so the fans stay for the entire tournament. You also saw 
an ECWA heavyweight title match where Viper defeated Glenn Osborne to win the title. Glenn Osborne's one of those guys you hear. He's like a metal maniac type guy. You hear his name all the time in those late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, Tri City, <laughs> Tri State area results. He 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 made the rounds. He's very Rick Matrix esque, if and, I could say. <laughs> and then you had a six man tag team match where Cowboy Blaze, Primo Carnera the Third, and the Warhawk defeated Mister Ulala, the Animal, and the Commando. So Mr. you can <laughs> see the eighties WWF influence. Mister Ulala is a mainstay in ECWA, even to this day. And yep. such a nice old man. Hey, <laughs> worked he follows me on Twitter. He's a nice man. I've worked him in random, worked with him in random uh, random indies in, Pens- in Pennsylvania around that area. He's a n- nice old man. Still out there working. He's one of those infamous, like, guys you hear of, like, Mr. Ula La and, like, Shockwave the Robot. <laughs> like, those, those, well, those these guys. Mr. Ula La, like, he had connections to people at pwi because i remember if you reading the pwi in the early to mid 90s he was always in there when they talked about independent mm-hmm. scene like there wasn't like it was him reckless youth and maybe a handful of others but uh micropata was in there too but like he obviously made friends with someone at pwi to get the attention mr ooh la la uh, and like i say still wrestling you get to watch a, a mr ooh la la match in 2021 um, so now we'll get right into the tournament. Now in some context, you'll hear some of these names and here's the beautiful thing about this tournament is, is that it was a lot of before these guys really made it, you know, became a big thing. So, uh, you saw Billy Kidman, uh, defeat reckless youth. Now, Billy Kidman, this was right before he got signed by WCW, like right before, but he was all over. He was Northeast. still, yeah, he was still working, uh, WCW doing dark matches yeah. but and doing job spots. But, yeah, he wasn't officially signed. He wasn't a member of the flock yet, so he was babyface Billy Kidman. Then we had Cheetah Master defeat Devin Storm, a.k.a. Crowbar. Uh, Lance Diamond, Simon Diamond, defeated Ravishing Ronnie. And then you had Ace Darling defeat the Inferno Kid in your first-round matches. Uh, and then uh, in the semis, you had Billy Kidman defeat the Cheetah Master, and then you had uh, well, no Cheetah Master. Oh, I'm sorry, Cheetah Master. I'm sorry, yeah, Cheetah Master defeat Billy Kidman, and then Ace Darling defeated Lance Diamond, and then Ace Darling, and they also gave an ECWA television title to this winner, and Ace Darling beat Cheetah Master to win the Super Eight and be the ECWA television champion. So you got a local guy <laughs> who's also at that point time creating a lot of buzz and probably one of the best independent wrestlers in the country and ace darling winning it but this tournament is fun it is a lot of northeast guys but a lot of guys that ended up kind of being a big deal you know kidman and diamond and yeah and 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 devin storm i think uh what we'll notice going on in the the few years where when we talked about Roland alexander we talked about uh king of the indies tournaments and it's very similar to the king of indies tournament although like that was a two night affair, but that booked a lot of flying talent, a lot of top guys. Uh, ECWA is kind of like the Super Eight is kind of like King of the Indies on a budget, where you're booking. They're booking a lot of guys that went on to do great things in the future, but a lot of there's a good amount of local guys. There's a 
good amount of guys that are driving in and are coming in for cheap, which I think might benefit might be beneficial because they're in the Northeast as opposed to APW, which is in California and wasn't local for anyone. So it is sort of a healthy mix there. And then I just wanted to throw in too, because I I watched the first uh the first tournament earlier in the week and uh rewatched it and I wondered why Reckless Youth and Billy Kidman went short and why Reckless Youth didn't go on and I Yeah, because I he go, was a really big deal in ninety seven. Yeah. I figured they might have pushed him. Reckless Youth double shot did a double shot. Uh he worked NWA New Jersey later that night. So he opened the show, had a quick match, and actually I looked up this was his uh second ECWA match. His first one was a time limit draw with Kidman a month earlier. So this was sort of a return uh between them two and Kidman going over and Reckless Youth obviously went on. Like he's in the tournament a few more times throughout the years. But uh yeah, his big debut or second show for the company. Yeah, and for those of you who, you know, are kind of like you maybe a little bit on the younger side or you uh you know you're listening to this podcast to really learn about your history. It is mind-blowing that Ace Darling did not do anything at, after the Attitude Era because of how big of a deal was. I cannot stress this enough how big of a deal Ace Darling was during that time period. Him and Devin Storm when they were teaming, I think they were like uh, Team Extreme. Uh, but they, they did stuff for WWF. They did stuff for WCW. They did stuff for ECW. Like they were both on the cusp and then eventually Devin Storm would get the crowbar deal, which was way more different than what he was doing. Like, I mean, these guys to pay the picture, they looked like the rockers, but in the nineties, yeah. like in, but Devin, yeah, Devin Storm got around. He was working ECW at the same time yep. too in the in ninety six, ninety seven. Sabu were getting a lot of buzz. On yeah, the independent scene. Yeah, we've we've talked about that before on earlier episodes. Um, yeah, it's just I I don't want to say it was a fluke, but like Devin Storm lucked out with the deal with the crowbar deal with WCW during the time WCW was signing a lot of random indie guys. But yeah, it is weird when you look at like the mid to late nineties and look at. Who was trying? Who's breaking out in the indie scene? And a lot of these guys were—they never really got an opportunity. Yeah, I like mean, you said Lance Diamond too, like him too. Like, it's ninety-seven, and we don't really hear about him until ninety-nine. Yeah, <laughs> but even even after being Simon Diamond ECW, like he was a solid guy. Like WWE never never looked at him. Never no. gave him a serious look after that. But guys like Cheetah Master, uh, Inferno Kid, and then like other names have we go on to like WWE, WCW never really touched. It's kind of disappointing. And it's crazy because it was right in WWE's backyard. Like, you know, a lot of those guys they could have had came up to the warehouse in Connecticut with Tom Pritchard and, you know, let's see what they really got. And, and they do like, they had reckless you signed, but something fell through. There's, I don't know the details off the top of my head. I'm sure like if we look it up, we can find it on the observer and all that. But I mean, Reckless Youth was a guy that was on the cusp of getting signed, and his name was always mentioned. Yes, yeah. and a Starling, like, you, 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 like it, it's it's crazy because this tournament to the common fan may not sound like a big deal, but when we're talking literally, like, you have three feds running at the time, so your independent scene's not what it is today in the aspect of. Yes, three feds running who have hundreds and hundreds of people under contract. And independent wrestling is not what it is in 2021. So the some of these guys are literally the cream of the cop, crop. Like, 
Billy, well, I mean, but we know Billy Kimmon, but like Reckless Youth, Ace Darling, Devin Storm, Lance Diamond, like they're literally four of the best workers on the independents, at least east of the Mississippi. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, they, and they they were working before before Brian Kendrick, before Brian Danielson, before a lot of the top names that came along in the next few years. So they were had they had the jump start. And a lot of these guys, like I think Lance Simon probably started in the early '90s. Devin Storm definitely did. So they were they're not new either by this time. By this point, yeah, like Lance Simon Diamond started in '91. So like they've they're not rookies by any means. Crowbar '92, so they already have like six, seven years in the business by this point too. Like they're ready, they're ready to go to a main to a main company by this point. So uh, that was February 22nd in Wilmington, Delaware, and oh, that- and, and I do want to also mention with us that uh, Captain Lou did manage <laughs> the Cheetah Master, uh, and he did manage Boogie Woogie Brown. So because Cheetah Master went to the finals, and because of uh, Boogie Wee Brown. Captain Lou was out there four times. So Jim Kettner got his money's worth with, with Captain Lou. And, and and isn't that crazy that you're on a show, you're, you're watching a show that has like literally like guys that innovated the style that we see today. <laughs> like, like, like a Starling and Billy Kidman and Devin Storm on the same show where King Kong Bundy and Captain Lou Albano. <laughs> like it's, it's crazy. And that, Captain Lou was in the ring doing Polaroids during their mission, too. That was on the raw footage. That's the charming thing with ECWA. Um, the, next, the next Super 8 was March 21st, and it was also in uh, Wilmington, Delaware, uh, at the St. Matthews Parish Hall. And uh, real quick, non-tournament matches. There was a battle royal. We don't know all the participants, but J.R. Ryder won the battle royal. And then there was a tag match, Boogie Woogie Brown and Cheetah Master. Defeated Glenn Osborne and the Kodiak Bear. Love, I love the Kodiak Bear. <laughs> he was on the first indie show I ever went to in '96. Yeah, he was. He was. He was doing those like fair circuits with the Metal Maniac and Snuka and stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah the 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 Cattaraugus County Fair ran in '96. Like he was there, Snuka, the Metal Maniac. Good times. So then uh, we'll get to the Super Eight here. Uh, Ace uh, Darling defeated Mike Quackenbush. Uh, Inferno Kid defeated Devin Storm. Lance Diamond defeated Mark Schrader. And Scott Taylor, a.k.a. Scotty Too Hotty, to, to, to those of you who know him better as that, defeated Reckless Youth in the first round. Uh, then we had Inferno Kid defeated Ace Starling. And then uh, Lance Diamond defeated S- Scott Taylor. And then Lance Diamond defeated Inferno Kid to win the ECWA Super 8, the second one overall. This time around, it, there wasn't a title on the line as f- for it as well. Um, very, a, lot of, a lot of similar participants from the year before. Uh, uh, young Mike Quackenbush, obviously in today's world, it's kind of hard to talk good about Mike Quackenbush <laughs> from everything that's came out. But in 1998, here's another guy. He was touring the road with Reckless Youth. Up and comer. Oh, his name really was out good. there too, along yeah. with Reckless Youth. Yeah, like really, really good independent wrestler. Uh, in I, I, I don't know much about Inferno Kid. There's not a lot out there. No, like he made the rounds throughout the '90s too. Like his name was out there too, but yeah, like he never really went on 
beyond that and never had a long career throughout like the 2000s, 2010s. Yeah, and Mark Schrader was a guy who wrestled a lot in the Maryland area. Like you'll see him on Maryland Championship Wrestling results and uh, MEWF results. Yeah, and I think he he did do job spots for WWF back in the day in the 90s, which again, like if you watch any of the old uh, Monday Night Raws from that era on the network or get hold of some superstars tapings, like you'll see a lot of these guys on there. Because like they would often do, especially in the early '90s when they've when WWE uh, reduced their budget and weren't running TV tapings outside of the Northeast. So prim- primarily, TV tapings were being done in the Northeast to save money. They used a lot of these, a lot of these same talent, a lot of guys from Kowalski, Kowalski School, a lot of guys from the Monster Factory. Oh yeah, I mean you see a young Pitbulls, like you. Yeah. You will actually see half of the ECW, like the 1995 ECW <laughs> roster on. Raw and Wrestling Challenge and Superstars in 92 and 93. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. Um, I want to say the Pitbulls worked at Heart Foundation once in 1990. I think so, yeah. It was something like that. Uh, uh, and they had, like, cool, like, matching yellow gear, too. Like, they yeah. looked like a tag team. Like, it was it was actually pretty good. Um, overall, this tournament, uh, Lance Diamond, a.k.a. Simon Diamond, wins. And, like... Folks, you're getting Lance Diamond versus Scotty Tuhati in a in a church in Wilmington, Delaware, in 1998. Like right before both of these guys are going to become, you know, pretty pretty respected and have TV contracts. And yeah, you know, to this day, people still ask for the worm at shows. You know, and and I don't think Simon Diamond gets enough credit in the aspect of how good of a promo he was and what what he he was an impact lifer. I'm not sure if he's still there, but he was there for a long time. Yeah, he's still there. Yeah, so last I heard, he's still he's an agent there. So yeah, he's, he's, still, so he's yeah. been an agent there for over a decade, at least, uh, and was wrestling there for a long time as well. Um, any any other additional thoughts on the '98 tournament? No, not really. I, you can see uh, there's starting to be a little switch here, as like '97 had more Ravishrani, had more Inferno Kid, Cheetah Master, who were like their local guys, and then you see '98, they're bringing in a little bit more outside talent and then we'll get into that as we go on 99 2000 as you see they're, they're starting to expand and starting to get some fly-in talent a 99 man it's a stacked tournament um this is when the observer starts kind of covering a little bit we get an attendance number from dave uh that there was 550 people in attendance which happened to be the same number every year in a row so i imagine they're saying it's sold out so so i'm guessing like kettner is uh feeding that information to dave and saying yeah, 550. attendance 550 yeah 550 um either way it was you look at the video like because i watched this one too and there is yeah a few hundred people so I, I would say it's probably close to that uh not in non-tournament matches uh we had an ecw mid-atlantic heavyweight title where mr Ulala. <laughs> Defeated the Inferno Kid. Uh, and then you had a six-man tag title. It was Brute Force, Carnage, Stud, and Viper. I love these names. <laughs> Defeated Glenn Osborne, JJ the Ring Crew Guy, and J.R. Ryder. These names it, are fantastic. It's so Jersey indie. <laughs> yeah, like, folks, JJ the Ring Crew Guy, if you happen to be listening to our show or somebody knows him, Get a get a pro wrestling tea store. I will totally buy a JJ the Ring Crew guy t shirt. I'll come in and do our ring crew for us. <laughs> yeah, hey, yeah, JJ the Ring Crew guy. You want to want to come hang out in the uh, New York State area? Um, uh, 
he uh he has 18 years in ring experience. Is he? I, I have to I have to check his cage match. What, all right, his last show was 2016, uh, and he was wrestling for what is this company? <laughs> right Coast Pro in Newark, Delaware. So a couple of Delaware things, and uh, he uh, he defeated Harry Baldwin in his last match okay. on record. It might not be his last match, but his last match on record. Oh, here's a fun fact. J.J. the Ring Crew guy was defeated by Perry Saturn on Jacked in 2000. <laughs> of course. He went by the name J.J. Johnston. So, but yeah, th- th- this is kind of why I love shows like this because, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to cover this was this tournament had a lot of profile, prolific names. But to see some of these guys, like, who was J.J. the Ring Crew guy? Yeah. Like, that's that's the beautiful thing about uh, learning about this. So we'll get right into the tournament aspect of it. Um, February 27th there in Wilmington, Delaware. So Steve Bradley, which we'll, we'll touch on in a moment when we're done with this. Steve Bradley defeated a Starling. Devin Storm defeated Jeff Hardy. Matt Hardy defeated Christian York. And Christopher Daniels defeated Jeff Peterson in the first round. In the second round, Steve Bradley defeated Devin Storm, and Christopher Daniels defeated Matt Hardy. Christopher Daniels and Matt Hardy in 1999, (laughs) folks. Uh, And then Steve Bradley defeated Christopher Daniels to win the ECWA Super 8 tournament, the third annual ECWA Super 8 tournament. Um, We'll get to Bradley in a minute, but this is what we talked about when we did the pre-ramble in the show, the Hardys are under contract at this time, correct? I don't know if they were exclusive, but they were, they weren't, they weren't members of the brood yet. They were still, I know they're the on like previous. the North Carolina and Georgia Indies in 98, but I wasn't sure about 99. They might've, they might've had the, the contract where they could work Indies as long as they didn't work WCW or anything like exclusive, yeah. like more of like a developmental deal, but they were definitely, Working like they might have not been working on the road to house shows at WWE. Uh, I'd have to look that up, but like they were definitely uh factored in WWE's plans at this time. I mean, because in '99 they become a big deal, like yeah, you know. Um, and I remember like when they won their match on I, I think it was like Shock and whatever, they're wearing like the old Hardy gear, then the next week they're wearing t shirts and yeah, <laughs> remember, like white beaters or whatever. Um, but and then you have Christian York who was really up and coming in that time. And he would also work Omega with the Hardys. And he, he was in that area, Maryland, Virginia, all that. So Christian York was starting to be a name as he gets signed by ECW. Not too long after this thing in 2000. Um, Christopher Daniel was flying in for this. Yeah. And this, this is really the, we talked about it on the Roland Alexander episode. Like this is when Daniels is, Becoming like the hot indie guy, you got to bring in and fly in, and like, oh, this guy's a big deal. Like, and there and the rumors of him going to WWE too throughout '99. Well, the the higher power. Well, people yeah. still say this day he was supposed to be the higher power. <laughs> Which it has... because one because one guy in in Denver, Colorado now says that on his on his podcast has been saying it for twenty years that he wanted you know young bro like he wanted to book him as a higher power and people believe it. But it, it's proven. Like, Daniels had his time in WWE and doing dark matches and tryouts. So, like, he was definitely on the radar. He was 100% on the radar. I think maybe, like, 
they were so size at that point. That's probably why they they just never they never uh, pulled the trigger as far as bringing him in. Um, but talking a guy that was the WWE guy, a guy that they thought was going to be a big deal, Steve Bradley. So when I looked at his cage match, this show, this tournament was February 27th. His next entry is March 20th for Power Pro. And he's at Power Pro exclusively until basically until he leaves WWE Developmental because he's working. He had some Sunday Sunday Heat tapings, did some Jax tapings. So this was his last indie date. And so he, obviously it was giving him the win of the tournament before he's going to WWE. He's in developmental till 2002. Think about that, folks. And you never, they 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 never pulled the trigger. He worked house shows. He did IWA Puerto Rico. He did, yeah, he was doing house shows. A bunch of jacked, a bunch of Sunday Night Heat tapings, a lot of dark matches. Here's him tagging with Lance Cade and Shooter Schultz against Scott Vick, Seven, and Slash. <laughs> That, that, that that's that's very a lot of a lot of dark matches on TV tapings with Scott Vick, uh, tagging with Scott Vick against the against the Haas brothers. So like yeah, he was he's part of the original the the original group of developmental guys from '99. He so I put him in that that group of guys that they really like. You thought you heard of and nothing ever happened like. Him and, and Ron Waterman. And Scott Vick. And Scott Vick. And this guy was a couple years down the line, but Dan Rodimer. <laughs> like, he's just another guy. Like, guys that they were in their developmental, but you heard. But it wasn't a guy that, oh, yeah, this guy's never getting called up. He's never going to really make it. This and that. Like It's a guy they had high hopes for. I just kept kept in the comp- – kept there because maybe it's just something didn't work out. They didn't have a storyline for him at the time or maybe got – like someone got hurt and they couldn't call him up. What, what have you? Yeah. I mean, and unfortunately Steve Bradley is uh, no, no longer with us, but, uh, and, and, and that's a shame, but yeah, like, I mean, if you look, look this guy up, uh, he looks like the prototypical late nineties, early two thousands WWE. Wrestler. Yeah. Like he's jacked to the gills. He's got this awesome, like bandana look with this, like, you know, crazy ponytail and like, he definitely he definitely was a good worker at that time. Uh and then he would have just gotten better going to OVW, go to Memphis, going to Heartland, Power Pro, IW Puerto Rico. Like he he definitely he definitely had the skills and what it took to be up there. Unfortunately, like like I said, like just things don't work out and we you see that a lot with guys that are in developmental, like WWE. They're in developmental for years, and they're always on that cusp of getting up there. But for one reason or another, like there's just a spot doesn't open up for them. It, it's crazy how much developmental has changed on the aspect of if they really have high hopes for the, the guy, they'll just keep him down there until finally there's a spot for him. I mean, I tell you all time off air, Angelo Dawkins. He just <laughs> waited his time, man, and now he's part of the Street Profits. I really like his work, but. That guy was there for a long time. Not just him, but shot. I, I say there's another one too. Yeah, I was saying, or uh, Connor from the Ascension. Yeah, I say the same thing. 
like he was in development or for like there's a brief time like 18 months or whatever he was gone but pretty much for 10 years he was in developmental yep. moving from deep south fcw xc like all the different places so they obviously saw something in him where we got to keep you uh so let's see here all right so now we're going to move on to 2000 uh this year we just have a note that uh the uh, attendance was 550 uh, uh, people on that the same, same as ninety nine, and hey, it'll be spoiler alert. It'll be the same as two thousand one. Um, but uh, we moved to two thousand and non tournament matches. We had an ECWA Mid Atlantic Heavyweight Title match, a Lumberjack match. So probably a way to get all the local guys on the show. Uh, Ty Street defeated Glenn Osborne, and then we had an ECWA Tag Title match. Cheetah Master and JJ the Ring Crew guy. Defeating Inferno Kid and J.R. Ryder. So there, there's that J.J. the Ring Crew guy uh, hanging around and uh, still being part of ECWA in 2000. Um, now, as far as the tournament, you had Scoot Andrews, which he, he's a guy who I, when I think ECWA, I think him. Because I remember getting the wrestling magazines in this time period and seeing him and on ECWA results and the the Black Nature Boy Scoot Andrews and uh, and he had he had some heat working especially when he worked uh, FIP yeah in Florida like I don't want to say he like he built on that racism from the crowd to get that heat but like he he knew how to push buttons he's a guy too man before his time man like you put a guy like like him in the today's time period as far as the charisma he had and stuff like he would have definitely gone some places uh, now. We saw WWE influence on that first turn. I mean, not first, that last turn that we talked to, right? You're going to see a little bit of HWA influence on this. So you have Scoot Andrews defeated Trent Acid, which, uh, I mean, we'll get into it when we talk about all the participants. But you had Chad Collier defeated Shark Boy, Shark Boy in the 2000 tournament. Uh, Jet Jaguar defeated Jeff Peterson. And Christopher Daniels. Uh, defeated Vic Capri. Now, interesting, and they did an angle with this, where, so Scoot Andrews defeated Chad Collier, but Ace Darling replaced Jet Jaguar to lose to Christopher Daniels, and then Christopher Daniels beat Scoot Andrews in the finals. Um, Real quick, we didn't touch on Jeff Peterson, but we'll talk about him a lot in a little more detail, but he was actually the nephew of Jim Kettner, correct? Yes. Um, But another guy that was starting to really create a buzz and you know, all these guys that were just a couple years before Ring of Honor. Yeah. It's like, oh, God, oh, just a couple years before. Um, but uh, Trent Acid is a guy who we – that actually – that topic was brought up when we brought up suggestions, probably something we would eventually cover, uh, you know, Trent Acid's career. Uh, but 2000 Trent Acid, really, really good worker, starting to really create a buzz. Um, CCW's becoming a thing and kind of profiling him and – uh, a lot of super, very super indie before super indie was a thing. Yeah. It's like he, he d- definitely started to see the changing of the guard as far as a style. Um, and what's great about these tournaments is you could tell they don't really need the old legends anymore. Like they're kind of, they just, Hey, we can do this by putting on a great wrestling. Uh, Chad Collier from HWA had a pretty good career in Mexico and Japan. Uh, he was here and there in the States. Little, 
but I never he, stuck to the states. No, no, he like he had a brief. He did some stuff with WWE. He was in yeah again Heartland. Uh, did a bunch of Jack stuff. Uh, he wasn't a developmental in the early two thousands. Um, he did TNA briefly, but it wasn't anything like major. Um, Ring of Honor spots, OVW. Um, so he made the rounds. He's jacked guy. He, I think he was a little bit too short for what WWE wanted at that time, probably around five, five nine, five ten. So yeah. of course, like that was during that time that it was all about like pre- presentation, the height, the the size. So like, like, like Mike Modest, similar yeah. similar issue. Just he's Chad Collier was too big to be a cruiserweight and too small to be a heavyweight. So I, this isn't a WCW podcast by any means, but this is where you could tell the changing of the guard. WCW Bischoff's not involved anymore. Russo is because a lot of these guys who you would think would be shoe wins for like a cruiserweight division and all that, just like a Chad Collier or Nace Darling or, you know, even Jeff Peterson just. There's the, they don't never show up in WCW. Like, no, like Shark Boy did. Well, Shark, Shark Boy's all over yes. WCW Saturday Night in 2000. Yeah, Sh- Shark Boy though he he's yeah he was. Uh, and uh, and we know Daniels eventually made it there in early 2001, right before they went under. So like, who knows if WCW stuck around? Like, could Chad Collier have a spot? Because again, like like I said, like Chad Collier, if you look, you know, you look at his cage match, really what he was doing, like he was in Heartland in 2000, so. He might have just had that mentality of Heartland works with WWE. I'm going to stick with this because it's going to give me the WWE instead of taking the easy way and going to WCW. He was also a wrestler's wrestler in the aspect of, like, he was one of those technical, like, he modeled his style after Dean Malenko a lot. Yeah. Like, the best comparison you can compare to him. Uh, would be I think that. Malenko did have a hand in training him, too, so it would yeah. make sense. And he ended up being Chad Malenko, I think, towards the okay. end of his End of his career. He's a, he, like Les Thatcher loved him. Yes, obviously yeah. he was le- one of the him and guys. like Matt Stricker with the Y, and yeah, de- definitely one of those guys. Uh, but you start to see the HWA influence, which you're going to see a little bit uh, down the road as well. Um, Scoot Andrews ends up being like a staple of ECWA, so I think like this was kind of like, hey, he's one of our top guys. We're going to give him. We're going to get him in the main event for the Super Eight. Uh, and but and in Daniels, just we cannot stress this enough. There wasn't internet. There wasn't cell phones. So we don't. Daniels was the guy on the independent scene yeah. in this time period. Um, and you, you, you kind of just said too. Uh, I want to draw a comparison to a few years later. Uh, Fed up here, NWA Upstate started running a uh, tag tournament in a similar fashion. NWA uh, Upstate tag tournament, and they it was basically very similar to it, where you brought in some name talents, but you also highlighted your local guys mm. so you might have four outside talent or an attack team tournament eight outside talent and like half the tournament is outside talent half of your locals and that was sort of something that was built on by ecwa at this point where it started becoming a a fixture of that where like where in the case of like i was mentioning like the king of the indies where you're bringing all outside talent and you're spending a shit ton of money. But ECWA Super A is basically super indie on a budget where you're doing it. You're trying to be a little bit smarter about it, like spreading out 
spreading out the names and spreading out the talent. And what's interesting about this one, too, is this one's not in Wilmington. Uh, it's funny because Cage Match says Newark and Wikipedia says Newport. I'm going to go with Cage Match on Newark because it's at the Greater Newark Boys and Girls Club. Uh, but th- that's an interesting thing where they, they did it because they're back in Wilmington the next year. Um, you had Jet Jaguar and Vic Capri, which are like local guys, like along the lines of Ravishing Ronnie and uh, and Mark Schrader and you know Cheetah Master and Inferno Kid in years before. Um, but n- now we'll go to 2001 and that was in Feb, that was February 24th. And it was in, uh, Wilmington, Delaware. One of the interesting things about that is, is on cage match. There's not a lot of results in between the two tournaments. There's only one show. So, um, you know, ECWA wasn't running regularly every month or every other month during this time period, which I find interesting. Well, 2001, as we've seen when we went over the APW results, like the business wrestling kind of took a dip there in 2001. The Indies in general, it just seemed like attendance started going down. And cage match can be wrong. Uh, I'm not saying like it's it's 100% accurate. So they could bend shows here and there that just never got reported. But it's totally possible with the way the Indies was going down and getting into a slump that could have took some time off there. So now, uh, before we uh, get into the uh, tournament results, uh, of course, I love reading these non-tournament results. Uh, we have a, a battle royal, and we have all the participants. Ash, uh, so we have JJ the Ring Crew guy and Patch with Barry Casino, which my my you, favorite '90s manager yeah. at this point. If you want to just write make a stereotypical '90s manager, it's Barry Casino. <laughs> Uh, defeated Mr. Ulala, who was also with Barry Casino, and Benny Soltis, and Boogie Woogie Brown, and Carnage, and Glenn Osborne, and Inferno Kid, and Johnny Max, J.R. Ryder, Mozart Fontaine, wonder if he's in relation to Marion Fontaine, <laughs> Nigel Fairservice, Ryan Wing, Sebastian Knight, the Japanese Pool Boy, the Persian Prince, and Troy Apple. <laughs> Did they... How As many, a kid, uh, I loved reading ECWA results. <laughs> Did they not have the best names? <laughs> it, it seems like they're, they're just using their trainees or setting up their ring like, all right, this is your name today. <laughs> yes, you are the Japanese pool boy. I'd like to think that Mozart Fontaine and Nigel Fairservice, I think they were a tag team. I, I would hope so. Like, why wouldn't you capitalize on that? Um. We also oh, Nitro Fair Service is also known as Cowboy Blaze and Johnny Blaze. Oh, oh, so there we go. Uh, he was an ECWA lifer. Um, then we had an ECWA heavyweight title three-way dance where Cheetah Master defeated Patch with Barry Casino and JJ the Ring Crew guy. So, oh, JJ the Ring Crew guy and uh, Patch doing some double duty. Uh, working the Battle Royal as well as the uh, heavyweight title match. Um, well, my results say that the battle royal was the number one contendership battle royal. Okay. So yeah, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And they went but decided to pick two. Maybe they did the they probably did the Bret Hart Luger thing, I I would imagine. Either that or like the last two would get the, the match possibly, but the, it probably is the Luger thing. Like the Luger Bret Hart Rumble ninety four spot. If you could time that just right, it actually Yeah. It's it's, it's, it's just timing it that or just right. Um, this was a February 24th in Wilmington. Here's the tournament results. Low key in 2001. So this started to be like the low key time. Like people are like, Ooh, low key homicide. What? Uh, defeated Billy fives 
He's a guy that you see on all those 2000s indie results. Uh, Jason Rain defeated Tony Kazina, who we got to work with a few years back. Uh, American Dragon defeated Spanky. The, the Shawn Michaels guys that are making a, a name for themselves all across the country. And then Reckless Youth defeated Mike Sullivan and then in the first round. Then in your second round, you had uh, Low Key defeated Jason Rain and... Brian Danielson defeating Reckless Youth, which I'm going to go back. If this Super 8's on uh, IWTV, I want to watch that match. Oh, it, it is. And then Loki defeat. Uh, I'm, yeah, Loki defeated American Dragon to win the ECWA Super 8. So they bring an outside talent who's kind of all over the East Coast as a top guy. You know, Jersey All Pros at this time. Ring of Honor's not there yet, but they're coming. Uh you know, and, and Loki's becoming a pretty big deal. He just had such a different look. Um, Billy Fives. He's a guy, man. You see on all those results, like in the 2000s, like I think in Florida, too, like Florida and Jersey. He, he, and, he, he got around. Um, Jason Rain. I don't know much about him. I'm assuming he was a local guy. Uh, Tony Casino from California. So this is interesting because the. The, you see the California influence, and this when the King of the Indies happens, and there's a California. Star, oh wow, they got wrestling over in California. Like, yeah. Oh wow, these guys are good because American Dragons in this, Spanky is in this. Um, you got Reckless Youth, who at 2001, it's like almost like wow, this guy's still here. Let's capitalize on him being still around. Uh, and Mike Sullivan, which let's see here, uh, not. He was a guy, so he, uh, wow, he's worked all over, too. FIP, Future Wrestling, NWA Florida, so a Florida guy. He also, he did job spots for the XWF Ooh. and World Championship Wrestling and WWF. So, he's in that uh, that Buck Quartermain Lex Lovett click. Like, Scoot Andrews, like, going to Florida and stuff. Like, So, you definitely see an influence of Florida guys, which we'll get into in a second. As yeah. well, um, and, but your th- your thoughts on this tournament? I mean, this is now you're starting to see like, okay, so we talked ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety nine, two thousand. A lot of these guys were like guys that were on WWF's radar, or you know, the great style. But like, they were just kind of all around doing these like fun tournaments stuff like this. Now you're talking the super indie guys. Like this is the birth of the yeah of the in of independent wrestling we know now. 2001 2002 like where you can be make it a regular business and low-key and american dragon and those type guys yeah and uh there was a little bit in the observer about uh the show where uh brian danielson and brian kendrick were in developmental at this point they were on loan uh and they were really starting to break out at this point getting a name for themselves not a lot of people knew who they were because again, before the internet, they were working Memphis Championship Wrestling, I think, and but those tapes really didn't get out. Um, yeah, no, that Regal Danielson, I didn't see that until like yeah. 05, 06, I think. Uh, Reckless Youth did have a WWE deal just fresh off of it to going into this. And again, this is before, this was a few months before the King of the Indies where Danielson and Kendrick and a few others really broke out and made a name for themselves from there too. So... You have really like the first big showcase for both those men in this tournament. 
I, so, I mean, th- this is not now like you're starting to see like this is like a King of the Indies type tournament, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, here in the aspect of like there's a couple local guys, but with Cozina, low key American Dragon, Spanky, Reckless Youth, like these are literally some of the best talent in the country. Um, and I don't mean to sound repetitive when I keep saying that, but we're also going from 97 to 2001. Like, things change. <laughs> like, and, and But they keep picking some, you go, like, the, some the, of the best. The style changed, too, obviously, because if you look at 90, the style of 97, there's a few super indie. There was some stuff in 97 that were, wasn't being seen on WWE or WCW. There were Sunset Power Bombs or Tiger Drivers being done in that tournament. So like, there's a lot being done that didn't really – you weren't really seeing, but overall you still had guys that were the atypical WWE style, WWE, WCW style at that point. Now you're getting into 2001 later on, you're getting pure super indie and guys like the new style is finally coming out. And 2001 was really the beginning of the tournaments. And we got our first observer note, uh, June 18, 2001, NWA Florida is the latest group doing a super juniors tournament patent after their success of the super eight, promoted by ecwa this show takes on place in july 10th in tampa at the armory and will have 12 participants scoot andrews mike sullivan billy fives jet jaguar pp prado tony Casina, christopher daniels air paris lex lovett jason rumble jimmy rave and reckless youth they're also scheduled to do a joint show with tcw which was dusty rose's promotion on august 21st in tampa with dusty rose returning um i could not find any evidence of that show actually happened no results from that show but at least like they're talking about doing tournaments. Like it's starting to get to be a big thing at this point. Well, yeah, because like we have King Indies now. The Super Eight's been around for five years, uh, and oh, I'm trying to like I'm trying to think of when the first TPI happens because I think Ted Petty's still alive. He's still alive at this point, so I don't. Yeah, he is. Think it happens in a few years after this. But um, there's also the Jeff. Peterson Memorial Cup that starts up shortly after this too. Yeah. Um. So now we will head on over to 2002 uh, for the ECW Super Eight tournament, and that would be March 2nd in Willington, Delaware. So you know now they're back in Willington for a pretty good time, and I think this is this may be the last 550 result we have. <laughs> We have from uh, from Dave, um, but th- this this one right here. Let's see here. I just want to pull this up. Okay, uh, so the yep, up five fifty on the that's also on cage match. It's the first time they actually list the cage match percentage for these. Um, but non tournament wise, you had a uh, number one contendership battle royal. Prince Nana, yes, that <laughs> Prince Nana. Defeated Mr. Ulala with his manager, Carlton P. Hightower, uh, Ed Ubenai, and April Hunter, and Billy Bax, uh, Bobby Roode, Buck Wild, Cheetah Master, Ground Zero, Inferno, J.C. North, J.J. Johnson, formerly known as J.J. the Ring Crew Guy. You can't fool me. Uh, Joel Maximo, J- Joel Maximo, and Jose Maximo, SATs, Johnny Max, J.R. Ryder, Kid Cruel, Mike Cruel, possibly at the time. Hmm, possibly. Uh, Low-key. Yes, it was. Matt Stryker with the eye. Mozart Fontaine. Roughhouse Rivera. Ryan Wing. Slick Wagner Brown. And the Japanese pool boy. So this is really starting to look like 
a typical 2002 East Coast independent <laughs> wrestling promotion uh, with a lot of those names. Um, you also had a heavyweight title match where Scoot Andrews defeated Billy Fives. In a ladder match. In a la- yeah, in a ladder match, which that's pretty – wow, you're getting this Super 8 tournament and you're getting a ladder match. Pr- pr- pretty cool deal uh, for the crowd. And speaking of cool deal, this tournament – now, um, I don't think there's a single local guy in this. It doesn't in, – in this tournament in 2002. I mean, there's not a single local guy on this. I mean, you can kind of consider Xavier local-ish. Amazing Red, kind of. Uh, but they weren't – We talk about mainstays. Yeah, yeah, ECWA regulars. Like, no. Um, but we'll go over the tournament results here. And this may be the most impressive. It really may, especially when we go to see what all these guys – like, we on these tournaments, we've said like three to four guys have gone on to do something. Every one of these guys went on to do something. Wait till you hear this. Amazing Red uh, defeated Bobby Roode. AJ Styles defeated Xavier. Jamie Noble defeated Matt Stricker with the Y. And which is crazy. Both Strickers were on that show, by the way. I don't think that's <laughs> with the same much. name. I know. Like, <laughs> that's see, folks, things you'll never ner- know. Like did In they March ever... 2nd, 2002, both Matt Strickers were on the same show. Like did. Kettner ever go up to him and be like, all right, flip a coin. Which one's going to be known as Striker tonight? <laughs> and then uh, Donovan Morgan defeated Pepper Parks, a.k.a. The Blade from AEW fame. Uh, cheerleading Pepper Parks. Yes. Which we'll get this is male cheerleader gimmick. Uh, we had AJ Styles defeat Amazing Red in the semis, as well as Donovan Morgan defeated Jamie Noble. And then Donovan Morgan uh, defeats AJ Styles to win the ECWA Super 8 in 2002. Amazing Red, I mean, uh, his runs in Ring of Honor and Impact and in you know Japan and Mexico. I mean, probably the best cruiserweight wrestler in the two thousands after Rey Mysterio. The early two thousands, yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely a definitely a guy that you know, man, and, and he he keeps retiring and retiring. Like, I really would love to see him get one more real TV run. I think it'd be really cool. Bobby Roode still on WWE TV to this day. Obviously, huge deal and impact. And this but is this, inter- this is early too. Like he yes. didn't. He this didn't is de- Canada. Bobby Roode. This yeah. is him doing Border City and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, he didn't debut for TNA until like 2004, maybe. Yeah. So he wasn't like Team an early Canada X Cup. That was yeah. his first deal. Um, I remember like anytime you saw a WWE house show in Buffalo, New York, they would give you a dark match, and for a good couple of years, it was. Bobby Roode and Tyson Dukes. <laughs> like, that, that, that's what it was. You can't go wrong with that. Oh, no, it was great. Bobby Roode was always built from Toronto, and then they built Tyson from Buffalo. <laughs> he was always like the baby face. Of course. Um, AJ Styles, I mean, one of the greatest wrestlers in the world, multi-time world champion in multiple companies, New Japan, WWE, and back. Again, Mar- and again, this is March 2002, so before yes. TNA started. So you're seeing, like, he came. he's come off of Wild Side. He's... Yeah, that little run with Air Paris. And he WCW. clearly drove up here with Air Paris because, like, yes. y- you see Air Paris on that result, and I'm like, oh, and then AJ's on the same show. Um, Nothing wrong with being like, you want me? Like, I need a car load yeah. to come up. Well, and Air Paris is none of those guys that probably should have, much like East <laughs> Darling, probably should have got more opportunity. Yeah. Uh, Xavier, um, you know, we unfortunately just lost him last year, uh, but former Ring of Honor world champion, really a staple of. New Jersey wrestling and Ring of Honor wrestling in, in that time period. Uh, 
Jamie Noble. Uh, and this is this is not even go, returning to the Indies, Jamie Noble. This is he may be on developmental deal because I think they inherited his contract from WCW when they bought it. This is interesting. He was in Heartland. Yeah. Yeah. So this is Jamie Noble on a developmental deal being allowed to do this tournament. I mean, he was he was in Heartland at the time. So was Pepper Park. So I guess that... And Matt Stryker with the Y. Yeah. So I could see that being you want Jamie Noble, maybe Kenner had to take a few extra... Because Pepper's still within, like, early, early... This like, is early on in his career. Very yeah. Early, yeah. Um, Matt Stryker with the Y, it, uh, much like Chad Collier, very, very good technical wrestler. Um you know, unfortunately, didn't get maybe more opportunities that he should have got in the United States. But in this time, a big deal. Donovan Morgan, we talked a lot. In the APW show. In the APW, was, yeah. like in Roland Alexander's show. How big of a deal was he? He ended up being a staple of Noah. And then uh, Pepper Parks, who, you know, we have had the pleasure to really get to know him on a local level here in Buffalo. But uh, known as the Blade. And this is, yeah, he's doing a cheerleading gimmick. And he's, he's got his got hair and pigtails. Yeah. Like, it's, it was definitely innovative for that time uh, period. And uh, Like, when we first met him, he still had long hair, so it de- doesn't look that odd. But if you just know him as the Blade, and then you go back and look at him as long hair as a male cheerleader, it it's a culture shock. And he's going he's, he's gonna to kill me when uh, one of the... You know, I do the, hey, did you know? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find that picture. Hey, did you know the Blade was in the 2002? Oh, he does a promo with this on this, too. <laughs> yes. There's so a, when there's I a put that up promo. on social media. Uh, you, you're going to get an angry text. Like, what the hell, Gallo? Yes. Uh, but, but, yeah, so 2002, man. This may be the best one. I mean, we'll, I mean the next year follows it pretty good, too, uh, you know, as far as some of the names. But... 2002 may be the best one uh, that 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 we've seen. Um, we do have an observer note uh, from a week after the tournament. Uh, Donovan Morgan won the annual ECWA Super 8 tournament on March 2nd in Wilmington, Delaware, for about 550 fans, shock, beating AJ Styles in what was reported as a four-star match. Morgan and Michael Modest, who was at the show but didn't wrestle. That's interesting. Uh he didn't enter that battle royal. <laughs> uh, held up uh, a pro wrestling Noah banner at the end. Styles was the most impressive on the show for several reports. Charlie Haas, who underwent knee surgery a few days earlier, ap- appeared at the show. So Haas was probably supposed to be in this. Um, Jamie Noble uh, was his last minute replacement in the tournament, putting over Morgan in the semifinals. The next show will be April 6th with Low Keen American Dragon versus AJ and Daniels. So they're using those guys now. Plus a return of the 21-year-old Jeff Peterson in his first match since battling cancer the past two years. Uh, tournament opened up with right over Bobby Roode of Canada in 8 minutes, 7 seconds. Morgan, who had a, a bad back coming to the show, pinned Pepper Parks of HWA in 8.02. Noble beat fellow HWA wrestler Matt Stryker with a Y in 8.58 in a match filled with good submissions. Styles beat Xavier in 12.52 in what was said to be have been the best of the first round matches. Semi saw styles over red in five twenty six with the styles clash and Morgan beat noble in uh, six minutes and 15 seconds, which was reported to be the best match before the finals. So I wonder if Haas, if Haas was supposed to be in the tournament, maybe, maybe pepper replaced him. Well, they make it that noble replaced him. So, okay. What I'm thinking happened is, 
either Haas was already signed because I'm not sure when Russ passes off the top of my head because him and Russ were signed before Russ passed. So he was signed, but still doing this because they didn't send him to developmental yet. And Jr. called a favor in, you know, you know, cause obviously he would know that Charlie was hurt. Yeah. He'd probably have to would tell everybody else like in developmental, uh, Hey, we're going to Charlie hurt his knee. So maybe he, yeah, Russ. if anyone would do it, it's Jim Ross. Yeah. Like, Hey, what about we get you Jamie Noble over here, you know, and, yeah. and put him in the tournament. So I think that's, yeah. Um, that's probably more logical. The, I mean, he's not on the current roster at that point yeah. in WWE. He's a former WCW guy. So it gives ECW a little bit of club, but it, it's not hurting WWE by no means to send Noble there. Yeah. No, uh, Russ died a few months earlier. The Haas's They were, were on deal then when Russ, before Russ passed, they were signed. Yeah. But they yeah. worked. They were regular at ECWA's tag yeah. team. Yeah. Because they were in that area. Yeah. That area. yeah. Prior, prior to their, prior to the WWE signing. And I believe uh, Charlie does, uh, does contribute ECWA to getting him, to getting them signed. Yeah. And, and, and once again, I'm not sure who it is. But Kettner clearly has a friend in the office. Who it is, I don't know. We've never had anyone. It may be Jim Ross. It could be Jim Ross. It could be Jim Cornette at that time. At this point, though, in 2002, is Cornette really like, yeah, he's just, he's loving being in Louisville. He's not calling in any favors. He doesn't want to be bothered. Well, <laughs> yes. Cornette could have been the, the, could have gotten him through the door at first. Yeah, yeah. at first, yeah. But clearly, Kettner had a friend. And in a good way, it was it was good for all both sides for him to have a friend uh, in Connecticut. Um, maybe Pritchard, he may he may have knew Kenner. I don't know. Uh, but let me go to uh, two thousand and three, and we go to the uh, April fifth in Wilmington, Delaware. And let me pull up here. This would be the seventh annual tournament which ECW by the way had a very regular 2002 to 2003 they ran almost every month um but uh so what I love to do here the non-tournament results uh we had a ECWA Summit number one contendership battle royal where the Japanese pool boy defeated Mr. Ulala, Ace Darling, Billy Bax, Cheetah Master, Joel Maximo, Joey Max, Johnny Max, Jose Maximo, Matt Stryker with the eye, uh, Mega, Mike Cruel. So I guarantee Kid Cruel was Mike Cruel. Uh, no, it was. I, I looked it up. Mozart Fontaine, Prince Anna, Rough House Rivera, The Amazing Red. So he's in the Battle Royal this year. Trinity, Tyler Payne, and Venom. And is that? Yep, that's that Trinity. That's Impact Trinity. TNA Trinity. So um, I mean, we. We saw earlier too, and also uh, Venom is Cindy Rogers, so, so they were regularly intergender. Throwing, yeah, they were regularly doing intergender, at least bad royals at that point. And then we had a six man tag match where the SAT and Matt Stricker with the Eye defeated Ace Darling, Mega, and Prince Anna. Uh, and then we also had an ECW heavyweight title match where Christopher Daniels, who was a heavyweight champion, defeated the Japanese Pool Boy. And at this point, Daniels is on the East Coast; he's working Ring of Honor. Yeah, he's he's heavily uh, in the East Coast. Now, as far as the tournament results here, um, we had Frankie Kazarian defeating Chris Saban, Paul London defeating Alex Arion, Chance Beckett 
defeating Cedric Strong. And Spanky defeating Chris Cage in the first round. Who is uh, Kalen Croft, formerly from WWE, yep. as, as uh, Trent Beretta's original tag partner. One of the dude busters. Yes. Uh, and then we had uh, Paul London defeating Frank Kazarian in the semis. And Chance Beckett defeating Spanky. And then Paul London defeats Chance Beckett in the finals of the ECWA Super 8. Um, Frank Kazarian still largely part of wrestling today. In the uh, in AEW, Chris Saban as well, uh, still having amazing matches and impact, as well as working as a producer there. Um, Paul London. Paul's one of those guys, man. He like, still pops up here and there. He pops up here and there. He I think he's, he's had a good career. But shouldn't <laughs> Paul London be on Wednesday night somewhere? Let's just be real. Paul London should be wrestling on Wednesday I think, night. I, I think Paul London's just happy doing what he's doing in life. I, I guess. He's, by the way, very nice guy, but very weird guy. Yeah, I think but that's nice. the best way. I'll never say a bad word about him. Like, I worked with him. He was great, but he's strange. <laughs> like, yeah. All the times I've strange. worked with him, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. same thing. Yeah, strange. But you could see now with Kazarian Saban, like, previous years had Daniels and AJ and then, like, There was a uh, huge Danielson, West Coast influence Kendrick. Here. But you can see like the 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 evolution or the progression here of the indies. Now we're into another generation of indies. As 2003, you already have TNA starting up, so you have AJ, you have Daniels, all working over with uh, TNA. You have Brian Danielson in Ring of Honor. So now you have this tournament is guys that are, are still on the independents. So you're starting to see as guys from the previous tournaments are going up to national companies. Now you have the next generation coming up. And Ch- Ch- Chance Beckett was a Canadian guy, like from like British Columbia, Canada. He wasn't even like an Ontario guy. He was an uh, ECCW guy. Um, uh, Alex Arion, that name does kind of ring a bell. I'm going to kind of do a quick research on him while, uh, um, so we got Alex Arion, don't know much about him. Cedric Strong, the brother of Roger Strong. Uh, and we talked about Chris Cage was Kalen Carl, obviously Spanky, you know, Brian Kendrick, still a big part of 205 live and a big part of uh WWE. Um, but yeah, the name Alex Arion's very interesting because I feel like I know that name. Why do I know that name? Uh, He's from the New England area. He worked a lot of chaotic wrestling. Okay, that's why. Yeah. So, he, yeah. So, if there were, yeah, he, he was a chaotic guy with like Antonio Thomas and all those those guys. Because I was, yeah, like, I know that name. He had WWE Dark Match. He did some uh, Ring of Honor stuff too in the really, really early days. So, like, he's he's kind of around. He had his fair share of success there on the New England indie scene. And uh, Dave had some actually notes on it. Uh, Paul London won the seventh annual ECW Super 8 tournament on April 5th before a packed house of 550 in Wilmington, Delaware. The Super 8, because it was the first U.S. show partnered after the J Cup in Japan, is now the oldest and most copied indie tournament in the country. Something tells me that Kettner did not steal the J Cup idea to do this. No, I think he just wanted to do a tournament. I think he just yeah. wanted to do a tournament, but yeah, like. I get it. Dave's very Japan loyal. I don't think this, my opinion, not a fact, just my opinion. I don't think it was modeled after the Jacob. 
Well, because uh, you also look at the tournament when it started. There was, it wasn't just Super Indie. It wasn't like a weight class of just cruiserweights. Yeah. Uh, Charlie Haas was there talking about his training in ECWA, opened the door for him to get WWE. So he's there just hanging out. Uh, in the first round, Frank Kazarian of UPW uh, beat Chris Saban of Border City Wrestling. So these guys are literally just from their independent. Co- these are before it's before TNA signed these guys. This is when TNA is still doing in the former WWE DCW like guys like Brian Christopher as Brian Lawler. Yeah, and... like this is that period. This yeah. is that weekly pay per view. These guys are not part of it yet. Yeah. Um. Uh. You know, but yeah, Frank Kazarian beat Chris Saban with that looked like a reverse SDO. Brian Kendrick beat Chris Cage, who was a TV job guy in OVW uh, with a slice bread number two. Chance Beckett of ECCW in British Columbia beat Cedric Strong of IPW in Florida, who was said to be the best match of the first round. And London uh, pinned Alex Arion in a disappointing match. Uh, London beat Kazarian in a good second round with a shooting star. Beckett upset Kendrick and most of the crowd, uh, which was hoping for the London versus Kendrick main event. Good match, but it was clear Kendrick was toned down to avoid an injury. London beat Beckett in a disappointing finale in 806, which got a pretty consensus two-star rating and was nothing in the level of the previous Super 8s from virtually every report. The finish via submission only only got a polite reaction and came out of nowhere. London didn't seem 100% at all that night either, recovering from nasal surgery. Simon Diamond was also there giving a speech in, in uh, the honor of the late Jeff Peterson. So, yeah, unfortunately... You know, Jeff Peterson beats cancer, starts coming back, and then unfortunately it, it comes back on him. And, you know, Jeff Peterson's one of those guys that you don't hear enough about. And a guy that probably would have been a fixture in Ring of Honor and been a fixture, maybe an impact, especially being from Florida. I could definitely see Peterson on those those explosion tapings, like when they get to Orlando. Yeah, he, he was in his early 20s when he died. Yeah, so it's, it is it is a shame. Um to hear uh you know about jeff peterson and because he was a crucial part of ecwa and they wanted to honor his memory in 2003 they actually did the jeff uh peterson memorial tournament and we wanted to mention this. well it, it was more it was for for impact pro ran yeah, it. Impact pro yeah. Did it yes yeah but in florida yeah but we wanted to mention this because this is something that spawned off of the ecwa super eight because of a tribute to a guy. But so just briefly um, talking about uh, the, we'll talk about the first Jeff Peterson yeah. Memorial cup. Uh, that was 2003, May 16th to 17th. And you saw B boy defeat, Steve Madison, Neftali defeated St. John Aki, uh, reckless youth uh, defeated Sanjay Dutt, uh, Tony Mamaluke over Jarrell Clark, uh, Jason cross over CM punk, uh, ruckus over Roderick strong, Cedric strong over David Babylon, and Justice, a.k.a. Abyss, over Colt Cabana. And then you had B-Boy over Neftali. I'm sorry, Neftali over B-Boy. I apologize. Uh, Reckless Youth over Tony Mamaluke. Uh, Ruckus defeating Jason Cross. Cedric Strong over Justice. And then we had a, uh, semis of Reckless Youth defeating Neftali. Cedric Strong defeating Ruckus. And then Reckless Youth winning the Jeff Peterson Memorial Cup in 2003. Uh, and then the tournament would continue... Uh, throughout the next 10 years or so with uh it's pretty high profile names man yeah yeah like they're very while as we're going through the ecwa you see like a good mix uh of guys like for impact pro was the more of like the farm league for ring of honor running in florida during this time and they were a hundred percent super indie with who they were booking on there and it was a completely different roster 
like they were running a few months after the ECWA Super 8, but they, uh, yeah, like we said, like 2003, they only shared Cedric Strong. In 2005, they only shared P.D. Williams. 2006, Davey Richards and Milano collected Collection AT were the only guys that worked both. And in 2012, it was just Papadon. So they, most of those years, they were doing a, they were doing their own tournament with entirely different roster. Yeah, it, it's like, you know, we talk about these tournaments. I mean, folks, if you really want to take a grasp of like what was hot in independent wrestling at like a certain time period, just watch one of these tournaments, whether it's an ECWA Super 8 or a TPI or Jeff Peterson Memorial Cup or a King, even a King of the Day death match. Like, <laughs> you know, like if you want to kind of like it, it, it's it's cool because. One of my favorite things that TNA always did was the Super X Cup. So, like, you don't see that enough in wrestling anymore. I mean, we still have tournaments, but, like, everybody's so oversaturated. So, it's not like, oh, look, this guy from California, n- n- nobody's seen. There's no undiscovered you know? talent anymore that you've yeah. never seen before because everyone's on IWTV. Whoa, who's this guy? Or, yeah. oh, wow, these guys would have never wrestled each other. You know, I mean, we talked about Game Changer. Like, they they run California. They run Chicago. They run Philly. Like, it's there's no there's it, no like oh wow this California guy has never wrestled this guy from the East. Yeah, it's so hard to get a dream match. A never before happened dream match nowadays in Indies. I mean that might be a good thing because there's no there's no what ifs in indie wrestling anymore. But it also kind of sucks as a promoter from a promotion standpoint that there's no like big dream matches that you could bring in to actually get people's attention. And what's What's great about these tournaments, as, as I'm looking at 2004, there's some repeats, but not a lot of repeats. So you hear, we get to talk about all these guys, like, because it, 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 it fluctuates every year. Uh, 2004, April 3rd in Wilmington, Delaware, uh, non-tournament matches, my favorite thing. Uh, the ECW Tag Title Match, the Valedictorians, Billy Bax and Rob Echoes, a.k.a. Robbie E., a.k.a. Robert Stone. How many emails did he send to Kettner to get booked? <laughs> Man, you, you, you just keep throwing that dick in there. Um, and they defeated Ace Darling and Matt Stricker with the eye. I actually did not know Ace Darling was still working in 2004, to be honest with you. So that that's something I, I learned. I knew every day. Uh, then you had a uh, – and, and they actually won. Ace Darling and Matt Stricker won a – uh, a contendership, no more contendership tag team battle royal. Unfortunately, the participants are not listed for this one. Um, to run down the tournament results, we had Austin Aries defeating Sean Davari, uh, John Walters defeating Nicho El Millionaire. Uh, we also had Christopher Daniels defeating Rocky Romero, and Mike Cruel defeating Ricky Reyes. And then uh, you had uh, Austin Aries defeating John Walters. Christopher Daniels defeating Mike Cruel, and then in the main event, uh, Christopher Daniels wins the Super Eight, defeating Austin Aries, and he's the first two-time winner. And the, uh, the I do have Super a 8. footnote on that: that Sean Devari replaced the injured Tyson Dukes. Wow, yeah. So, so Tyson's another guy, kind of local, mostly Canada, but like Buff- Buffalo's own Tyson Dukes. Yeah, yeah, the, according to the WF Raw Dark Matches. <laughs> Um, I mean, Cody, Cody Steele is Rochester's own. Yep, yep. If you watch that one episode of SmackDown. <laughs> um, so Austin Aries 
controversial, but former Ring of Honor and Impact World Champion. He was hot at the time. Yeah. Uh, Sean Davari still, I think Davari's working everywhere right now. Like He's an OW. He's an Impact. <laughs> he's an Impact. He just was with WWE a few he, months he's ago. Just WWE. Um, oh, I saw him on something. Did the the he did the thing for uh, Marquez too, the the championship wrestling united like Tuesday night thing. Of course, <laughs> he did that too. So like he's everywhere. He's, he's a dreamer. He's just yeah. Every, yeah. Uh, Davari's everywhere. Um, he was working as a road agent and producer too uh, recently. So um, John Walters saw his back, which is awesome because man, like. If there no, ever was a wrestling scene built for John Walters. Oh, no. He's like, he's great. Like, I worked with him a lot in the mid to late 2000s. He was TCW. a CCW fixture, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah he, was a, he was a New England guy, and he always – we always had uh, – TCW always brought in a car, car load from New England. So, like, him and Slick, yeah. Slick Weiner Brown always came in. So, John Walters is good people. And uh, he And he actually had, like, a pretty, like – good run for a little bit as like the border patrol guy like yeah after his ring of honor South, Brewer, yeah. which i thought was pretty pretty cool i mean now like it's kind of offensive like skimmick you definitely don't want to do now but at that time when he was doing that it it got him attention i think he got on uh fox news or msnbc one of them uh he was getting attention for that yeah and just he played up the gimmick it was a classic heel gimmick yeah he was doing it in lucha libre usa um now if you guys don't know who Nitro is, Psychosis. <laughs> it, yeah, but I remember at this time he he was doing Nitro El Millionaire because he couldn't be Psychosis, which I don't think it was Vince that owned the rights. I think it was uh, no, because he wasn't in WWE. Not to the year to after. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was AAA. It was probably one of those things like La Parca. Oh, it's definitely yeah. So um, the, the the Mexican feds loved. Uh, trademarking and holding on and to names and uh, recasting characters. I think there wasn't there a second psychosis at one time. I think so. There, yeah, I'm there's, sure. there's multiple. Like, every there's, there's, there's. I can't keep track of how many Laparkas there is. No. So, uh, Christopher Daniels, obviously, we talked. Uh, Rocky Romero, and I think this is the beginning of seeing Rocky kind of like be a big deal. Um, you know, he was doing the Van Pipples thing with Ricky Race, we'll talk about too, and, and all that in this time period. But Rocky Romero is a guy, he's another guy, man. Like, he's still around, and he is in uh, a f- very powerful man, is influenced in New Japan wrestling. But he's very still powerful man in like all Ellis of wrestling. Anderson and yeah. Yeah, he's controlling all of the he did stuff for Marquez, US bookings. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that New Japan Strong thing, I think that's mostly him running it. As far as I know, that's like him running it. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Mike Cruel. Mike Cruel's a guy, you heard a lot about him in this time period. Like He was one of the best from the Jersey, New York. And he had a, a developmental run for a few years. And, you know, it's funny because when I watch Mike Vernon nowadays, he reminds me of Mike Cruel. <laughs> you know, and, it's, and that's a compliment. Like, I liked Mike Cruel. I think he was yeah. your typical... You know, oh, look at this guy from New York. But he was like a really solid, solid worker. Uh, and maybe a guy, though, that was maybe, you know, we say ahead of his time. Maybe Mike Cruel in the 90s has a job. I mean, yes, he had developmental deal, but didn't really stick on anywhere. Um, and I don't think he wrestles at all anymore, which is a shame. Um, and then Ricky Reyes, still around. 
probably got his biggest fame. He had a ring of honor run, but probably his biggest fame was being part of a Lucha underground, but Ricky race all over the Northeast to this day. He'll work all these feds. Like uh, Ricky race results are everywhere. So he, he, he hustles. He gets out there. Yeah. He, he definitely gets out there. Uh, and he is, uh, he is, a uh, liked a few posts of the show. So <laughs> friend of the show, Ricky Reyes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> friend of the show, Ricky Reyes. Uh, um, but yeah, this tournament stacked. I mean, we just went down it. Every single one of these guys has been on television. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, cause even like with John Walters, like he was a ring of honor, but he also was in that, like that MTV two thing where that Lucha Libre USA yeah. stuff. So every single one of these guys has, has had a television contract. Um, we'll move on to, cause we don't actually have really any observer notes till 2010. Uh, so kind of just, and by the way, folks, this is a little bit different of a format. Like we're just kind of listing results. I hope you enjoy this. If you don't let us know a little bit different than what we do, but I think we're having a lot of fun kind of talking to these guys, yeah. might parlay in the story, stuff like that. So, um, so in 2005, uh, they were back in Newark and the attendance is around 400. So a little bit different from the 550. So New- Newark, Delaware, not yeah. New York. Yeah, yeah, New- New- yeah. Newark, Delaware at the Greater Newark Boys and Girls Club, which only ran once before. Um, as far as non-tournament uh, matches, uh, you had the Valedictorians, Billy Bax, Robekos, defeat the Logan brothers, Bill and Brian Logan. Uh, and the Logan brothers, they won a battle royal to get that. And in the battle royal, all these tag teams. So you had the Chick Magnets, who... They have nobody listed on there. They question mark and question mark. Uh, Johnny Max and Mike Fury. Actually, they're uh, Mozart Fontaine, Mike Tobin, and oh, Brian Sozia. Oh, there you so go. So they were the members. I don't know who, which two were in there. Yeah. Um, Japanese pool boy Omega. Kodiak Bear making his return in 2005. And his tag partner. <laughs> Mr. Ulawa. I want that tag team to still be working. <laughs> the Canadian superstars Dave Cole and Jay Busta. Jay Busta wasn't a wild side guy, was he? No, I'm thinking of Jay Daz. I think. Uh, you had the OC boys, Aiden Chambers and Sean Patrick, Mike Cruel and Xavier, Arch Kincaid, and Prince Nana, uh, Chase Del Monte and Scotty Charisma, Fred Sampson, aka Darren Young, and Striker, Matt Striker, and then yeah, yeah, right, yeah, Matt Striker, and then. Uh, Craig Stratton and Tommy Penmanship. I love that. <laughs> These names are fantastic, man. As you say, like yeah, uh, Darren Young, Fred Rogers in the turn in this match too. Like now we're starting to see more names of guys that are still actively working and still in their prime as we're getting farther along here in the tournament. And Arch Kincaid's a guy I remember hearing a lot about in the PWIs and stuff like that. And uh, he was a he was a Connecticut guy, Kowalski guy. Uh, but never, unfortunately, never uh, uh, stuck on anywhere. Um, so now we'll kind of get in. Well, now we'll, we'll get into the tournament results. Two thousand five, you had Puma, aka TJ Perkins, uh, defeated Eric Matlock, uh, JJ Perez over Tyson Dukes. So at least they got Dukes in the next year. Uh, Petey Williams over Rapid Delivery, <laughs> Rory Fox. So there's that HWA influence bleeding in again. <laughs> Uh, and Alex Shelley defeating Andrew Riker. Then you had Puma over J.J. Perez, Petey Williams over Alex Shelley, and then Petey Williams defeating uh, Puma. So 
you could see they're kind of scaling back a little bit on this year. Like there's not as many names. Uh, Eric Matlock, I, I'm I don't know much about as well as JJ Perez, and I apologize for that. Puma, as we said, TJ Perkins, who's still he's an impact uh, today. Um, Tyson Dukes, which we're very familiar with that name, but if you don't know, I mean, this guy has been consistently probably one, if not the best wrestler in Canada for the last two decades. Uh, but he did some stuff with TNA briefly. Did he was in the cruiserweight classic for WWE? He's always Ring of Honor. He's always been on WWE radar. He's been doing dark matches all throughout the two thousands. Like he's doing heat and velocity. He's he was always used. He's from London, Ontario. He's a trainer now. Has a school up there now. Yeah, too. one yeah. of my favorite guys to ever ring announce too. Like just a really really nice guy. No, I I I. Prior, pre-pandemic, I was working with him several times a month up in Canada. He's always a great guy. Uh, wealth of knowledge. He's the he's basically like the Undertaker up in Canada where he's the locker room leader and someone you always go to to ask for advice or ask questions on anything. Uh, yeah, he's been working since like late 90s, I think, trained by Scott Demore uh, from Border City. And he came up in that same class with – like. He started, obviously, a few years early. He came up with guys like Cody Diener and Sean Spears. I think he helped train Sean Spears. But, like, he came up with those guys and all those guys spread out. Like, it's very – I think it's criminal that, like, a lot of the early 2000 Canadian scene, the Southern Ontario scene, isn't really out there too much, at least in America. Yeah. I mean, because a lot of those guys, I mean, some of those guys did stick over here, and we're actually about to talk about another one, Petey Williams. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Petey Williams was part of that, too, in the early 2000s, working Toronto, Southern Ontario, London area, yeah. Border City. Uh, Petey Williams, I mean, the man who made the Canadian Destroyer famous, uh, he obviously was a real fixture in Impact for a long time, did bring him honor, and then uh, he's a producer for Impact now. Yeah. Uh, as, as far as you know. Rory Fox, <laughs> uh, my, probably most famous for MTV's uh, be, uh, True Life, I Want to Be a Wrestler. And he's there when Les is giving him, and when we do an HWA episode down the road, we'll talk about this in more detail. But like when Les is giving him the gimmick idea, oh, you look like a newspaper boy. <laughs> and Come out to Small Town by John Mellencamp. Rory's still working to this day, and he's actually... He has a lot of back and forth with Zach or, or Matt Cardona uh, with the uh, major. Uh, he he was on Talking Shop Mania, and he was on Talking Shop. He's a talk <laughs> both both, both pay per views. Yep. So he's he's still out there, man. Yeah. Um, Alex Shelley. I mean, Impact Ring of Honor. He actually teamed with Kushida last year in the Dusty Rhodes Classic or the year before. Uh, still an Impact and a guy that looks out for wrestlers today. Like he gets guys opportunities, really good dude. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I could talk about the, the greatness of Alex Shelley, like all day long, but you see in this 2005, like these guys are an impact, but you also see the influence of like that border city and this and that, but you still got Rory from HWA. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, so overall there were some names, Andrew Riker. I don't know much about, so there, like I said, there's about three guys I don't know much about, uh, but for the most part, a lot it looks like mostly solid guys. You got Puma from the West Coast, but you got three guys from the Michigan, uh, London, Ontario area. So, who were two of them were starting to work impact at the time. So, um, 
see here. So we'll head off to 2006. And this one was in, so they did Newark two years in a row, which is not something they did. The attendance on this is 700. So this may be their best draw. Well, from what I'm looking at for results, it looked like they moved on. They were running mostly Newark, Delaware, which from what I saw on Google Maps, like it's not that far from Wilmington. So they're still in the same general area. It just seems like they probably, they found a different building to run in. Um, so this is another one I think, like I think they kind of went back to their kind of being as much stacked as possible. Uh, there was a number one contendership at a Royal though. Uh, Matt Logan defeated Aiden Chambers, Billy Bax, uh, Brian Sosha, Chase Del Monte, uh, Danny Echoes, Grandpa Lala, John Kerman, Johnny Max, Mega, Mike Reed, Mike Tobin, the Monsieur Mysterio. Was that Dave Mysterio doing a fancy well, gimmick? First, <laughs> Grandpa Lala is Mr. Ula La. <laughs> so I. <laughs> So, so wait, I, I don't. I, I'm doubting this battle royal listing. He's in there twice, but maybe he got eliminated or a mask and came yes. back. Uh, yeah. So you had Monsieur Mysterio, Mozart, I think, Mister Ulala, Nick Logan, Perfect Man, <laughs> Double G, Rag, Rob Echoes, Rufus Mustu, Matsuda, Scotty Charisma, Sean Royal, Sean Patrick, Tank Thomas, and the Japanese Pool Boy. No, Monsieur Mysterio is also Mr. Ulala. <laughs> he also worked as the Grand, the Mask Assassin. So, uh, Why did Mr. Ulala never have a contract? <laughs> this guy's the best. <laughs> Folks, so do Mr. yourself a favor. Look at Mr. Ulala. So, Mr. Ulala, if you, I know you follow us. <laughs> nice guy. If, if you, I know you follow us. If you, if you listen to this, tweet at us and ask us. And answer us why you're in the battle royal like five times. Listen, you know what? We don't do guests on this show, a.k.a. I told Johnny Stewart he can't be a guest. <laughs> I'll say it right now. Johnny Stewart was the closest associated Dale Gainer who wanted to come on. But Mr. Ulala, it's an open-door policy. Yeah. Anytime you want to come on <laughs> and tell us stories. We'll go for Mr. Ulala, no Johnny Stewart. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Oh, love me some Ulala. That should be a T-shirt. I, I love. Does the, he have a crossing T-store? Yeah, he on should. Yeah. Oh, I'm just mad that at this point, JJ the Ring Crew guys left DCWA. Oh, come Who, on. Who's setting up the ring? <laughs> oh, Miswa Mysterio. So we have three Mysterio. Like we have two fake D- Ray Mysterios now. Dave Mysterio and Miswa Mysterio. Okay, I need. I'm gonna do some research after we're done recording to try to find some Museum Mysterio matches to see if he actually hit some six one nines. Was the area code of Delaware? <laughs> um, oh, okay. This, this is like I said. I know we're just reading a lot of results, but this is where the fun comes in. Um, but yeah, well, uh, 2006. Uh, Charlie Haas uh, defeats Xavier. Josh Daniels defeats Andre Le- Leones. Uh, Davey Richards over Scott Lost and Milano Collection AT over Brian Logan. Uh, Charlie House defeated Josh Daniels. Davey Richards defeated Milano Collection AT. And then Davey Richards defeats Charlie Haas. So Charlie Haas, this is this April is, 8th. Yes. The next week he returned to WWE. So this is during that brief time that he was uh, released from WWE. Ball Indies. Ball, yeah. yeah. So this is pretty much his last booking, his last date in the tournament. Which I imagine they probably re-signed him, but he said, hey, man, like, I want to honor this commitment. Yeah. 
because this is the the Fed that like kind of helped me be what I am. So, um, so yeah. So like, so sorry. <laughs> so uh, yeah. So like, he probably's like, hey, let me do this favor or whatever. And I mean, they put him all the way to the main. So uh, obviously, like he was willing to do a lot of work for them to work three matches in one night. Uh, Josh Daniels, well, Xavier, we talked about Josh Daniels was a guy. I remember hearing his name, but like you heard his name, he was out there a little bit, but nothing really came of it. Andre Leones. I don't know much about, um, Davy Richards. I mean, Davy Richards. Yeah. You know, uh, and going back, Josh Daniels did work. He got out there. He worked, uh, did some Ring of Honor stuff. He did, some yep. New, he did New Japan, like New Japan Dojo stuff. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, he definitely tried to get out there. Yeah, yeah he he did some WWE uh, job matches. Actually, no, ECW on Sci-Fi uh, against Swagger and against DJ Gabriel. So, like, job spots, obviously. But, like, he's, he was getting out there. He did, he did do TNA, uh, some stuff in TNA. So, yeah, he definitely was on the radar. Uh. Scott Lost is a guy I don't think that's talked enough about. Um, to kind of talk about that California indie scene, you know, right when PWG starting, you got your your Scott Lost, your Chris Boshes, you know, your Disco Machines, your Scorpio Skies. Um, yeah, he's he's Scott Lost is a guy that I don't think's talked enough about, and and uh, he may have been one of the forefathers of uh, of PWG. I'm not sure, but. Uh, yeah, Scott Loss, he was a pretty big deal on the West Coast. Yeah, pretty he was definitely, yeah, he's a uh, UPW guy. Uh, did some UPW stuff when he first started out. APW, obviously. Uh, yeah, and he was in PWG right right around the beginning. Uh, Milano Collection AT. I loved Milano Collection AT. Uh, Japanese wrestler, but he did like an Italian fancy gimmick. Uh, and He's still around. He's doing, he's still uh doing i think new japan uh commentary yes yeah he's yeah he's not wrestling anymore yeah. but yeah his his gimmick was he was an italian uh fashion supermodel but uh, he he was on excursion during this time yes, i know he like, did chikara and i think he did mid-south and he was supposed Ring to do a ballpark brawl i think we mentioned that yep. the ballpark brawl like the ballpark brawl that uh was they did the uh upstate double shot and was supposed to be involved in that so he 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 couldn't make those, but like that was during the whole time that he was uh, an extended excursion here he also, in America. He, he worked for TWE for Michaels and, uh, and yeah, and down there too. Um, and I mean, yeah, he worked Tori Von New Japan, like pretty. You know, the, the, the he did stuff for TNA actually too. He was on Team Japan uh, when they did one of this the X Cups because he was on excursion. So yeah, like, he's already over here. So yeah, he's save already, some money. He's, uh, yeah, already over here. Save some money. Uh, so 2006, man, you got Charlie Haas before he goes back to be kind of doing a favor. Davey Richards, this is about the the birth of, you know, we keep talking about the eras. Yeah, you know, the, this is his era coming up. You know, with the Reckless Youth, a Starling area. Then you had the Danielson, Spanky, low-key era. Now this is the Davey Richards era, like yeah. Eddie Edwards, guys like that. Um, but, uh, and then two, th- so... We will move on to 2007 uh, for that Super 8 here. And they uh, 
they toured, they, well, toured, maybe not be the word for it, they ran a lot, probably the most they ever had between tournaments from 06 to 07. So looks like it was a good year for ECWA. They're in Newark uh, still. So now Newark seems to be the spot uh, for them to run in and where the uh, Super 8 is, which it might have been a falling out from the venue um, uh, that they that they had in Wilmington. Uh, I mean, it, it it does happen. Like a venue gets new ownership and doesn't want wrestling there anymore or just, just gets tired of it or realizes they don't make money. They don't make enough money on it. It, it happens. Now – Another fi- thing I found interesting about this one is is it is a little bit later in the year. They run this one in October of uh, October 11, 2007. So, or I might have those reversed because of the Germany thing. I think it's November 2007. Yeah, yeah it's November 10th. Yeah. yeah. My, my bad. My bad. Sometimes the European stuff, uh, you know, I'm, I'm smart and I'm also dumb, folks. Thank you for listening. <laughs> so, but, uh, but yeah, so uh, to run down this the the 2007 uh, year, uh, first off, uh, non tournament matches. There was a they did this battle royal. It seems like hey, we need to sell tickets, you know, and then also ride book ride alongs and all that. So in a battle royal, you had Nana defeating Ace Darling. Ace Darling still there. El <laughs> Chance, Brian Zosha, Brian Logan, Chase Del Monte, Corey Blaze, Dan Echoes, El Troop Trouble, uh, Freak Nasty, <laughs> Frederick of Hollywood. Oh, that gimmick. That, yes. Yes. These gimmicks. Glenn Osborne, Gus Grand, Jason Lee, Jim Shorts. <laughs> oh, why is it? Can, can somebody book Jim Shorts versus Dan Champion in 2021? <laughs> um, JJ Cruz, the return of the great JJ the Ring Crew guy, Kerman the German. <laughs> Who is Max Von Brar, Mega Mike Reed, Mike Tobin, Moser Fontaine, Mr. Ulala, Mr. Scott Wright, Sean Royal. That's not that Sean Royal, by the way, is it? I don't think it is. The guy with the red the guy with the red hair. That's a and then Timothy Richards. He was uh also worked under Psycho and Simple Simon. People always like to laugh about like number five hundred in the PWF five hundred because it's usually a wacky like name or something. How many of those guys worked for ECWA? That pretty much all of them up <laughs> yes. until like the mid two thousands. Like this is like these these names. Actually, Ula I think was me. he was a number five hundred one year too. Yeah, I think. I think so. Yeah, these names are killing me. Frederick of Ho- Jim Shore. Frederick of Hollywood was Fred Rozier. That's a great wow. Yeah, that's a great gimmick. <laughs> Bring that back, Fred. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Kerman the German. Um, like, is he like the Buffalo German giant? Like, yes. we we have a guy in Buffalo that's like six foot ten. That I don't remember his real name, but we he's just he was known as the German giant, and he wasn't good in the ring, but he was a fixture in battle royals for a long time for many feds. Because he's a six foot ten guy, you just come in and just throw a bunch of guys out, and then you have the big baby face like a warpath fly uh, that yeah. comes in and like finally gets him down or body slams him, and a bunch of people throw him out. Like, yeah, he's the the better or the random better or attraction along with Silent Warrior. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Uh, so <laughs> I, I I I just can't. I'm, I'm broken. <laughs> Jim Shorts <laughs> broke me. 
so uh, we'll go on to the tournament. How, how about we do that there? Uh, Rob Echoes, a.k.a. Robbie E., defeated Billy Back. So guys, former tag partners, they were on the undercard for most of the year. Now they're in the tournament. Sanjay Dutt defeated Human Tornado, which if gifts were a thing in 2006 and 2007, Human Tornado would be the most gift And wrestler. that match. And I want to say uh, yeah, uh, that match too. Sanjay Dutt replaced Matt Cross. Okay, so good. that would have like they. Yeah. That's a good. That's a good replacement. Either way, you have a good match against Human Tornado. Yeah, uh, Human Tornado, Tornado also said he would come on the show if we gave him a hundred bucks. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> I'm sorry, Human Tornado. <laughs> it's not in the budget. He'll do tell all for hundred dollars. Uh, J- Jerry Lynn defeated Brian Fury. Brian Fury was a guy that was around like Massachusetts and stuff. Yeah, he was a he was a, another uh, New England guy. Uh, again, another guy like John Walters yep. that uh, I worked with a lot in the two thousands. He's also a trainer too. Like he trained. Yes, yes. Uh, he trained a lot of the people that are still. Is in he the area. a chaotic trainer? I believe so. I think uh, he might be credited to Sasha Banks. I could be wrong, but I think he is. I know. I know he he did train uh, Anthony Green. Okay. Or August Gray. Um, so like he trained a lot. Maybe Josh Briggs as well. But he, a lot of those. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the New England guys have come up in the last few years. He's had a hand in that. Uh, Matt Logan, uh, which was an ECWA guy. So you see, they're trying to get some local guys in there, and and Rob Conway. Uh, which at this point he would have been released. So you get a WWE name and you get Jerry Lynn. So you, yeah, I mean, like, Rob Conway definitely drawn a good crowd with that. Yeah, he was just this was just recently after. Yeah, he was released a few months earlier. But like Rob Conway, you look back, a lot of people probably probably were just roll their eyes thinking Rob Conway uh, is booked here, considering like how WWE botched his entire career, but. Like in the late '90s, early 2000s, he was a big deal. Yeah, like he was a he was a good worker and someone that a lot of people thought like had had like had it. Especially in OVW, he was a top guy in OVW. It was just like they just saddled him with just horrible, horrible gimmicks. He he like yeah, he was a great worker, man. It's it, it's just I will always vouch for Rob Conway. I kind of mad that like when they brought back NWA, they didn't bring him in because he was a big part of right before that happened. Before all this got the title, Rob Conway was always in the mix uh, for the NWA uh, championship. Um, I mean, he was and he was the champion too briefly yeah. during that yes. time during the early early two thousand ten. Kahagas and like Jack Stain, like that. Yeah, I think area. I think it, it's looked a lot of people don't look at that era because it did come before. The Billy Corgan era. So everyone knows Tim Storm, Nick Aldis, like the current NWA, but like that weird era from when TNA, when Impact dropped the NWA title to when Billy Corgan picked it up is kind of, kind of is lost. Like Which, you have Adam Pierce, Adam Pierce held it for a good amount for like Cabana and five, the yeah, like the first five years there was Adam Pierce up until like 2000, the early 2012. 2010s but then yeah it was kind of like conrad's reign was kind of like push on the rug and he held it for i want to say like two years which yeah and which um people uh have asked us to do a show in that time period because we covered it so well between wcw and tna uh we will because the bruce arthur stuff's in there too all the lawsuits and all that so we will 100 percent 
do an episode oh, if, on, on that time period. If it seemed like we buried, we buried Gagner, Gagner like that's, <laughs> the Bruce Tharp stuff's going to be really yeah. That's Oh, man. And, and, oh, there are some stories there. Whether whether people agree that he saved the NWA or not, like he's a very polarizing figure on some of the stuff that he perpetrated to other uh, other NWA affiliates to either get them to drop the affiliation or try to take control of it. But this that, that's the, for another time. This is the episode for it, but I want to know how we got the Houston footage because there's no sale to him on it. But we'll do this for another time. So. Yeah, there's going to be some research need to be done for that. <laughs> um, but uh, – there was a note on this in the observer. Uh, M Dog Twenty suffered a major groin uh, pull while doing an elementary wrestling takedown that he's done since the eighth grade. It's always something wacky that causes an injury. Cross has done every high risk flying move known to man that hurt himself during a takedown. His leg and crotch were all black and blue, and he had to pull this weekend Super Eight. He was devastated and wanted to apologize profusely to the fans and to the Super Eight promoter Jim Kettner. No word on if he'll be able to work again or how it affects his upcoming Noah tour. Um, so we'll, we will move on to 2008, uh, and we have it, this, they started to keep in the fall again. So this is October 25th, 2008. This is a new work. Um, and on this, we have a battle Royal, no participants listed, just that Magnum won the ECWA summit battle Royal. Now I'm, I'm actually going to go back and watch all of these battle Royals on IWTV oh, because I need, I need the entertainment. So. Name value. This isn't the biggest. This this may the, you start to see a trend where the, the names get the big names, the flying names. They're not doing as much, but there is still some very prolific names on this. So you had Aiden Chambers uh, defeated Frank Arion in the first round. Um, Aiden Chambers was a guy uh, that kind of briefly did some Ring of Honor stuff, something like that. Uh, Frankie Arian, I don't know much about. Um, Frankie Arian is a Boston or Massachusetts guy. I think he was trained by uh, Antonio Thomas. I imagine he's a chaotic guy like Alex Arian was. So they probably yeah trained by him. Antonio Thomas, yeah. I believe. But like I, I did work with him briefly in two CW. Did he was a ride along with like the New England guy. So like during this time, he was getting out there, low on the shorts shorts yeah. uh, size. But like yeah, he was a little high flyer, getting out there, getting attention. Uh, Maverick uh, defeated Loca Vita, uh, which you know we Syracuse are native. Syracuse native Loca Vita, big part of two CW history. Uh, when I got into the business working for BCW, he was a fixture. Uh, I, we actually had him like versus Tyson Dukes, and that was a really good match. And look, I remember doing the uh, mass luchador gimmick. Yep, yeah, one of my favorite Loca Vita stories was we worked the we worked the show at this place called the Dom Polsky, and it's this tiny tiny like little hall fans are basically on one side yeah and it's that small like the ring is up against three walls our locker room is just this storage room of all this junk that this place has accumulated over its hundred years in existence and one of the cool things about locus he would just have fun with whatever he could and he found a, a like a bowling trophy or some weird trophy <laughs> And he just came out with it into the to the show. He's like, "Yeah, I'm the trophy winner." <laughs> like, I, I my 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 favorite uh, look of Vita memory is uh, so he's from Syracuse, New York. Uh, this isn't surprising or shocking because he did unmasked last Tuesday show, but he is not Hispanic. He's American from Syracuse, um, but he's a Spanish teacher. So he speaks fluent Spanish. Mm-hmm. So to the point where you wouldn't know. So he 
did not drop the gimmick. He preserved kayfabe with the mask to fans where uh, it was years when some people, even workers in the business, thought that he was a legit uh, foreigner, and that you, he didn't speak English. And you could still see him today uh, under a different uh, guise, uh, if you will. He, he uh, became a father. Yeah, he became a father. <laughs> you could see him in Excite Wrestling, among other places. Yeah. Um, uh, so we had Chase Del Monte defeating Scott Reed, and then Alex Kozlov defeating Shannon Moore. So I'm looking at this card. And the two names are wrestling each other in the first round, which means Shannon Moore only want to work once that night or can only work once that night. Because I would have tried it. Because at this point, 2008, Kozlov is starting to get a buzz. He's people know, like he's doing New Japan Super, yeah. Super J. And like, I think he was even in the World X Cup for like Team International for 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 for, for uh, TNA. But it may, may have been this may have been before that. Um, but. Alex Kozlov defeated Shannon Moore, and then in the semis, you had Aiden Chambers over Maverick, and Alex Kozlov over Chase Del Monte, and then Aiden Chambers defeating Alex Kozlov to become the Super 8 champion. And this may be the first Super 8 uh, that, like, never had a contract, I think. I mean, if you count, like, Ring of Honor appearance, because even Ace Darling, like, had WCW appearances. And, he was never, it was never a big name. It was never a, a television yeah. guy, yeah. He, he's got to never appeared on television and, and you'll start to see that, that trend while they still put in guys that, that became or were big stars at that time. And a lot of guys that, yeah, eventually that still went on to big stars as we're getting into the, into this. Yeah. It's sort of going more on the more unnamed or unknown, uh, indie guys that are still like underground names. I would think would be the best way to describe it. So in 2009, all the way in 2009, we are now, folks. Like I said, this tournament has gone on since 1997. Uh, in 2009, they're still in Newark. It's in the fall again. It's uh, on October 10th in 2009. Uh, non-tournament match. We have the Logan brothers, Brian and Matt Logan, defeating the Arian brothers, Alex Arian and Frankie Arian. So that answers our question as far as uh, them. Uh, and the Logan brothers won a tag tournament to get that shot. Um we also had a Texas Tornado tag team match. Andrew Riker and Bazooka Joe defeated Chase Del Monte and Freak Nasty. So those are your non-tournament matches. Did, um, did Bazooka Joe do anything? <laughs> he was trained by Larry Sharp. No, BJ Hard Candy was B- another name B- he used. <laughs> From Smir- Smyrna, Delaware. It was That was his heel turn. I'm no longer a gum. I'm a hard yeah. candy. <laughs> Um, that's a great gimmick. I hope he went with that. <laughs> so we have uh, some some pretty prolific names and some. Uh, Tomasa Ciampa defeated Mike Tobin. Tomasa Ciampa, one of the best wrestlers in the world today on NXT. Mike Tobin, I don't know much about. Dan Echos uh, was doing like a brother gimmick with Robbie E. He defeated Metal Master. That is Chad Collier. Chad Collier, yeah, doing doing something a little different. So Chad Collier returning after a lot of years uh, away from the tournament. Quiet Storm in 2009. Because at that point, Quiet Storm and Chris Devine, Divine Storm, they weren't a thing. You didn't really hear about them. So it's kind of interesting to see Quiet Storm in 2009 being part of this. You would think he'd be in the early 2000s. Yeah, uh, another guy had had a look and got out there, got some was looked at by WWE Ring of Honor. Did a lot of uh 
There's some NYWC great back in the day. Early, it, like when TNA starts bringing in indie guys, like them versus the Briscoes and SATs. Like there's some good stuff on there. Um, I think he also did Kind of Tide Dojo too. So I think and Noah in recent years. So like Quiet Storm, and he's still working. Yeah. Are we still out there? Yeah. Yeah, but it just well, as far as him being a guy, like a, a named guy in a tournament, like household this. name. He's not. Yeah. He's not out there. Like he's making. He's making a good career for himself. But yeah, Mikazi. So you got. You might go. Oh, who's that? So I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he's still with Sasha Banks. So this was to be the boyfriend <laughs> of Sasha Banks. Uh, he makes. There's a lot of men jealous of his position. Um. He was and maybe still is a gear maker for WWE. I believe he still seems just yes. And then he appears a lot on Xavier Woods' video game show. A lot on there. So, like, he's WWE contract, man. Like, I mean, maybe not yeah. what he wanted to be, but this guy's been a fixture of WWE for a long time. And yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't, he hasn't worked matches in five years, but yeah, he's, he's got a, he's got a gig. He's got a job. He's an employee. So, yeah. And he's with Sasha Banks. So, like... I don't know if they're married, but they're definitely yeah, engaged. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Um, And then we had Nick Logan defeat Prince Nana. Uh, I love me some Nana. Uh, and then uh, Tommaso Ciampa defeated Dan Echoes. Nick Logan defeated Quiet Storm. And Nick Logan defeats Tommaso Ciampa in the finals of the tournament. Um, you know, like I said, I mean, you got, you got some names in here, but it's definitely starting to be more of the how a lot of independent wrestling was in this time frame in 2009 to really 2015, 16, where, Hey, a lot of good local guys. And then let's get a couple names where now it's like, Hey, all these names and a couple local guys. Yeah. It's like almost indie wrestling's flipped a little bit. Uh, but we're going to move to 2010. And the interesting thing about 2010, it, well, we have two things coming out of this, but, the movement of the tournament. So the tournament for a long time was traditionally February, March, some April. Then it was October, had a good run for October for a few years. Now in 2010, the tournament's in July. It, uh, it's in July and uh, non-tournament matches. Uh, you saw the uh, Mid-Atlantic uh, heavyweight title and the tag title defended together. And a no disqualification comment mentioned Nick Logan and the Logan brothers, Brian and Matt Logan defeated Aiden Chambers and team WCWA. So it's been like a rival promotion, Julian Starr and Ryan Rush. There was a battle Royal where El Mariachi, but I don't think it's the El Mariachi of Lucha Underground fame. He defeated uh, Andrew Riker, Bazooka Joe, Cha-Cha Chance, <laughs> Corey Blaze, Courageous Cruz, Glenn Osborne, Gus Grand, Jason Lee, Jason XXL, Jim Shorts, JJ the Ring Crew Guy, Magnum, Mr. Ulala, Sean Royal, Simple Simon, Timothy Richards, and Travis Blake. Simple Simon, uh, once again, Psycho, aka Guy with Red Hair. So uh, he's back again. Was Bruce Harpick? It was easily. They would just call Bruce every time they got a training. Hey, Bruce, we need a wacky name for these yeah. ECWA training. Oh, man. Because if you hear some of the stories of Bruce, when we do the Bruce Hart Stampede episode. <laughs> the, whole, the Smith Hart Stampede episode. <laughs> which we That's in demand from some people lately, by the way. Yeah. Um, 
people out. We we talked about this before we went on air. People outside of the Western New York, Southern Ontario area don't know how much of a character Smith Hart really <laughs> they do, was. They do not. Like you just hear like the you stories. Hear about Bruce, because Bruce, I think he's made it known. Hey, yeah, I, I'm a weirdo. Look, I'm gonna let you know I'm a weirdo. Yeah, but like there's there's a little bit of Smith Hart stuff in like Bret Hart's book and a few people, but like he used to go to every indie he could to sell his merch, and there's there's tons of stories that we could probably do a two parter on him. Uh, Tommaso, but, so uh, Tommaso Ciampa in the tournament. Tommaso Ciampa, the first round defeated Chase Del Monte, who replaced Barry Wright. Uh, Chris Wilde defeated Alex Reynolds. Eugene beat Scott Wright. And Austin Creed, a.k.a. Xavier Woods, defeated Brian Malonis. Um, so, real quick, we'll go, and then we'll get. So, Brian Malonis, Ring of Honor fame, uh, teams of the Beer City Bruiser, uh, Eugene, Nick Dinsmore, WWE, uh, OVW. Alex, Re- Alex Reynolds, you start, start to see Alex Reynolds. Be, yeah. It, you know, people like don't understand. How long Alex Reynolds has been good? <laughs> like, no, that's a thing. Like a lot like, of people, like not just him, but Alex Reynolds and John Silver. A lot of people don't. Yeah. They just, if you just started watching Super Indies recently, you just see, oh yeah, they were on Beyond and they did a few Indies and made it to, uh, made it to AEW. But like, no, they've both of them have been around for a long time and they've worked a ton of known feds throughout the years. Everything. From like they were on the radar from WWE for years. They've done CZW, they've done uh, PWG, um, Ring of Honor, Shakara. Yeah, they, 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 Alex Reynolds has been around forever. I mean, around for a while, but he's been around everywhere. So I was not surprised that those guys got an opportunity. And look up some Alex Reynolds matches. Hey, look up Alex Reynolds versus Chris Wild. I don't know much about Chris Wild, but I'm sure it's a good match. Um, and then. Uh, you know, Tommaso Ciampa, we talked about. Jason Monte, local guy. Imagine Chris Wilde's look. Scott Wright was like a bodybuilder. I think that's Scotty Charisma, too. Yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. He he did some uh, WWE stuff. He's even the guy that shipped off the Spirit Squad. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Trained by Gino Caruso, yep. Yeah, yeah, he, and Lil Greedo. He's, he's done, uh, done some extra stuff in there. Um, an interesting note to come out. So, 1997... When Kettner started this, he was the owner, and he was the owner since, you know, 67 or 80, whatever you believe. But in August 30th, 2010, Jim Kettner, who promoted independent wrestling in Delaware for 43 years, sold his East Coast Wrestling Alliance and is retired from wrestling. The ECWA will now be run by Mark Tadalia and Joe Zaloni, who run the Tri-State Wrestling Alliance. The two groups will be kept separate, and the ECWA will be run the same way it has in the past, with shows regularly in Newark, Delaware, including building to an annual Super 8 tournament. Kettner started promoting in 1967 and also wrestled at an independent level after being trained by 60 stars, Victoria Rivera and Bulldog Brower. He also worked with WWE on and off the years. He's known for best known for the Super 8 tournament, which debuted in 1997, patterned after Super J Cup in Japan. Among the wrestlers that have been in Super 8, which we talked about, Jeff Hardy, Matt Hardy, Austin Aries, Brian Danielson, Christopher Daniels, Davey Richards, AJ Styles. Kettner promoted his final show on August 14th, but there was no real mention that it would be his final show. So, kind of an end of an era. Uh, yeah. And you could see the tournaments were kind of changing. And we uh, didn't... Uh, Do did we mention the semifinals and finals of 2010? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Tommaso Chava defeated Chris Wilde. And uh, Austin Creed defeated Eugene. And then, yeah, sorry. Xavier was defeated Tommaso Chava. Right. And that would be a great match. 
like I want to go back and watch that because that seems like a really good match. But I think the underlying storyline here is that Ciampa lost in the finals of 2009. He well, lost in the finals of 2010. 2010. So they're doing a recurrent angle here, and we'll see as we go on into future years. So it seemed like these guys that bought it, right, they wanted to make a splash in 2011. And I think they did. When yeah. You, when, when you look at, <clears throat> at this card, like, I think that, you know, there's no more safe bet local bets. Like, and this is 2011. It's kind of a brief idea of what wrestling would end up being as far as super indies and stuff like that. But, uh, and they definitely, like, shortly after Kettner sold the company, they ran a show called ECWA A New Era Begins, which, kind of like from looking at the card kind of rebooted the company with a, a few different names on here and uh some title changes so they were definitely trying to revamp the company or try to update it somewhat a, a, f- a fun thing too about this is uh this was on go fight live remember that <laughs> <laughs> i mean did anyone successfully be able, was anyone successfully able to watch anything on go fight live yeah um, here's another funny thing. Do you know where this tournament was? Where Voorhees, it? New Jersey. So it's not in Delaware. It's at the Flyer Skate Zone. Oh, well, to be fair, Voorhees I, is I, I understand a that. few minutes away. But also, Voorhees is right near Philadelphia, too. <laughs> like, but, yeah, so... Like, Voorhees to Newark is... An hour from hour yeah, based on traffic. But still, it's the same. It's the Philadelphia metro the safe area. Zone, though. They're leaving the same. Yeah, zone. yeah. Uh, non tournament matches. Uh, you saw Team ECWA, Chris Wild, Papadon, and Team Action, Kirby Mack, and T- TJ Mack defeated T- Team TWA. So the other promotion are running. Team Dim- ah, Damian Dragon, Josh Daniels, and Matt Saigon. So it sounds like they're do- starting to do some interpromotional stuff. Uh, you had Ace Darling defeating Aiden Chambers. Uh, in a singles match, and there was a bad open invitational battle royal. And you know who your winner was? Winner was Mister Ulala. <laughs> so they're keeping with the sure thing. Yeah, it's Ulala. Kettner may be gone, but Ulala is still here in 2011. Uh, we're not getting rid of him. Um, 2011. Let's talk about this tournament. Yeah, Adam Cole defeated Sammy Callahan. Austin Aries defeated Bobby Shields. Tommaso Ciampa defeated Rich Swan, Shima Zion, aka DJZ, and uh, is it I can't, his name in NXT? Something uh, Joaquin Wild. Joaquin Wild. He defeated Shockwave the Robots, <laughs> which very interesting character. Uh, and then you had M. Cole defeated Austin Aries. Tommaso Ciampa defeated uh, Shima Zion. And then Tommaso Ciampa, finally, the third year in a row he's in the finals, he defeats Adam Cole. So, look at this. Adam Cole, NXT cha- former NXT champion, big deal. Sammy Callahan, carrying impact on his back, yeah. uh, big deal. Austin Aries, we talked about. Bobby Shields was, a f- he was around a lot in this time period. He's a Rochester guy. Yeah, like he's originally from uh, middle of Pennsylvania. He went to RIT, the college, and trained in Rochester with uh, New Millennium and with Upstate, and went on. Like he's a mainstay at Maryland Championship Wrestling now. Like he lives around the DC area. So like, did he, he do a lot in Ohio too? I know he got out that way too. Yeah, but he, he was did in Cleveland. Vir- like... He's done Virginia. Like he's gotten out there. Like he changed. 
he had just an average body type. Like he got into bodybuilding and really broke out for a few years there. Uh, Chop, we talked about Rich Swan, Impact Wrestling Champion right now. Uh, Shima Zion, he's in NXT right now, but was an Impact for a long time. And the Shockwave the Robot, which is, it's like Mr. Ulala. Just one of those, you got to see it to believe it. Uh, but the guy wrestles in a full robot suit. And I know, like, Beyond had him on. Um, and I think he... he There was a brief time, like, he didn't... Has he ju- ever done a clusterfuck? I don't know. Why has point. he not done a clusterfuck? I mean, he got out, like... During this time, like, he was getting out there. Like, he he worked as just Shockwave, as just generic Shockwave with just regular yeah. tights in the Rochester area in the early 2000s, like 2003, 2004, before he came up with the gimmick. He came Shockwave the Robot. It's a, oh, it's a good gimmick. Kids pop for it. Uh, he got out there and worked a lot in Japan. I know he did a few tours over there. Um, doing like the the stuff like with Ken the Woodbox and stuff like that, like all the Mecha Mummy, all the wacky like, yeah, stuff like that. So no, I don't think he ever worked Game Changer. If you're listening, Mister Lauderdale or Joey Janela, <laughs> or at least Associates ears, we need Shockwave in a clusterfuck, and we need Mister Ulala in a clusterfuck. They both deserve spots. Why didn't Ulala work the one in New York? I know Ulala should have worked that cluster. Oh. But anyways, I digress. Uh, moving on to to uh, 2012, uh, you know, as like I said, this tournament gets uh, um, a little too uh, a little more modern. And by the way, too, they started doing like other tournaments, like they did a tag tournament uh, leading up to this as well. So definitely trying to go on to that theme of stuff that they were doing. Um, and they also they're also uh, we'll get, probably get into that too. Like they also did. A uh, women's tournament yes. uh, in association in association with uh, Chick Fight Wrestling, the uh, the Indy Fed. So that started in 2014. So I'm sure when we we'll get, get, get to 14, that, yeah. yeah, we'll get to that. You'll definitely touch on that. Uh, but uh, yeah, two, 2012 here um, for the for the tournament. Let's see here. So your non tournament matches, you had a unified tag title triple threat, the Midnight Sensations. Chris Rockwell and Sam Shields defeated Fusion DS, Damian Dragon, and Matt Sagan. And the Flatliners, Asylum and Matt Burns. Goddamn Stone Rockwell makes it. Stone Rockwell is in here with a guy named Chris Rockwell. <laughs> oh, how is that? So, uh, oh, buddy here, we get to finally talk about you. He's a friend of the show, by the way, Stone Rockwell. Yeah, we, we finally get to talk about him. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, wow, wow, wow. But this is a time twelve. Del- I gotta. Talk- I gotta. I'm gonna text him about that. How was this? <laughs> like, how did you get there? Like, We've all, like the the tag team in front lines. Like, they, they worked. Uh, they worked ESW around this time too. Like, there was a brief time. Like, they. Well, I know ROH by, was very. Interested. Yeah, they mm-hmm. were trained by uh, Ron Hutchinson up in Toronto, and they worked. They were out for a while. If you were a Fed in Ontario or. In the Northeast, you were bringing in a tag team like the New Age Outlaws or like a known tag team. Like you would call the Flatliners because they were a safe tag team to work with with them. They they worked the Fed style. And they looked and they like stars, though, too. They, oh, yeah. They were. It wasn't huge. just sometimes you see your old like chubby veteran guys that know how to work the old school style. No, like these guys looked like TV stars. Didn't so, they? Like, the, the infamous CW, uh, CWI show in Niagara Falls. Didn't they? Did they work the Dream Team? Yes. 
Okay. The, the, the infamous Dream Team were like Greg Valentine. Basically, Asylum had to put the figure four leg lock on himself. <laughs> Greg Valentine will do the step over toe hold, but then he won't bend down to pick up your leg. You have to lift your own leg up and hand and give it to him so he can lock the figure four on you. So if you're a wrestling promotion out there and you're still booking Greg Valentine, can you contact referee Andrew Mullen and hire him <laughs> to ref? He loves reffing Greg Valentine, man. Well, first I ask if you're an indie fan and you're still booking Greg Valentine. <laughs> like, why? So, sorry for the inside joke, but if you know referee Andrew Mullen, he's retired now, but he's not too fond of Mr. Valentine. I mean, I don't know a lot of people that are <laughs> these days. Hey, I'd rather, listen, being somebody that's managed against him and Beefcake, give me Valentine over Beefcake any day. <laughs> okay, right, I, I will I will agree with you there. As, uh, I would much rather deal with Greg Valentine than Bruce Beefcake. Oh, we're in 2012 and we're talking Greg Valentine. Greg Valentine was still working in 2012. He was. He was still working in 2019. I do remember the legend show I was done. He wanted to work in Barry Hardy's like, no, brother, you can manage. Well, because Barry would have had to sit himself. (laughs) He wanted the match. Uh, So also on the show, there there was a battle royal. Guess who won? Mr. Ulala. He's going for that record. <laughs> he keeps winning these invitational battle royals at the Super 8. Um so Bandito Jr. defeated Azrael. And we'll go we'll go over all the people in a second. Uh Gregory Iron defeated Kyle Matthews. Bobby Fish defeated Kakoa the Fly in Hawaiian. And Papadon defeated Tony Nice. Uh Bandino Jr. defeated Gregory Iron. Uh Papadon defeated Bobby Fish, and your winner. Papadon, who at this point was becoming a big deal on the East Coast. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, CCW, stuff like that, uh, defeated Bandito Jr. Now we'll kind of go to the person. So Bandito Jr., he was a Jersey high-flying guy, still around, actually. Um, out of that Asriel, him and Ad, that Jersey All-Pro, high-flyer, Arcadia, those guys. And Asriel, same thing. Both those guys came from, like, that type of area. Um, kind of like the... The best way to put it, like, it's like, I think they were like, like the era after Brian XL as far you like Mikey Whipper guys and the trained guys in New Jersey. I'm not sure if Brian XL trained them. I'm just saying, um, Gregory Iron. Oh, and, and by the way, Bandito Jr. is still actually in WWE. He is, uh, he is raw referee Eddie Orengo. Get out. Yeah. Holy crap. Because I feel like I saw him in an Indies not long ago. 2015 was the last oh, time okay. he was on the Indies. So, yeah. like, yeah, he's... Wow, I did not know there. that. You learn something new every day. Which proves... Asriel's still around, though, because yeah. he was just on something. But that's what we always tell young talent. If you get an opportunity... Even if it's a to, ref. Like... To ref, like, take it. Like, uh, Drake is a referee there. There's a lot of guys. A lot of people. Jessica Carr, former wrestler that's now referee. Like uh, Ryan Train was bound to win on the Indies. Yeah. Yeah. So, like... There, it's and if a lot of those referees are employees, so yep. you can, you're full time, you're making good money. Um, Gregory Iron, who we actually locally get to see a lot of in ESW, but uh, uh, if you saw his antics in AIW when he was there or in Game Changer, he this guy like there's two sides of Gregory Iron. There's the inspirational wrestler that you know he has cerebral palsy. He's done an awesome like he's a great role model. But then there's just there's just natural charisma and hilarity and like. And if you know, we'll put over his podcast. Listen to the um, oh, forget out to man. It's like Iron Talk or something like that. But Iron, Iron, on, Iron on Wrestling. Iron on Wrestling. 
Listen to his podcast. It is hilarious. Like you said, yeah, he can be the, the inspirational baby face, the typical baby face, or he can be the biggest dick on the show. He's one of the He's best great. heels I've seen in the modern era in the Indies. Yeah. Like, you guys don't understand, like, the heat that 4-O-H gets in New Jersey. And he's a big. It's not just Ricky Shane Page. Yeah, Greg is a big part of that. But even even as even by himself as uh, the Iron Curtain in a, in AIW, yep, yeah, like just it's he's great at what he does. Uh, Kyle Matthews was a guy. He was around for a while. You kind of see his name in a lot of results. Bobby Fish NXT uh, was in Ring of Honor. But again, at, at, at this point, like 2012, Bobby Fish has been on the Indies for. 10 years maybe maybe even more at this point uh he was around like also known as jerk jackson also known as madden fisher like he uh, he's an albany guy he worked all the albany uh indies he was working rochester indies as jerk jackson during uh the mid-2000s so like he already at this time he's 10 years in and i remember like he was one of those guys where you're like you thought like he was never going to get an opportunity. Like he then he got into Ring of Honor, he got into New Japan and NXT. But like he the he's the vet. He's like the veteran of this yeah. tournament. Uh Kakoa the Fly to Hawaiian, local Pennsylvania Jersey guy. Uh Yeah. We've had some run-ins. <laughs> like what's this, you know. He had a he had a idea of a nap for guys to get bookings that on paper was a good idea, but had some issues when he asked for a refund and canceled it. And yeah. me and him had a little back and forth. I mean, we're okay right now. If if I see him, I would shake his hand. But you know, it's Kokoa. You know, I don't I don't work on many shows with him. So, uh, but you, you don't work no churches in Hazelton. No, 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 no. I do not work churches. I will not work case. Well, PPW. I love Paul Bull and the guys at PPW, but I won't work any other promotion that runs Hazelton. Yeah. I can tell you that. Uh, Papadon. Papadon, man. One of these, he was a mainstay on Independence. And never, like, I mean, he was teaming with Pepper Parks and CCW. He was he even, like, had some Ring of Honor appearances. But a guy never got a shot. He did, he did that impact stuff, too, that gut check. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he did that. Like, he did, like, yeah, he did Maryland Championship Wrestling. He got, he got out there. Like again, like CZW, like he was a big part of CZW for a while. He did and NYWC for years. Like he's just one of those uh, tri-state area guys that was was good, but just never broke out. And uh, our uh, and Tony Nice, like, yeah, Tony Nice. I mean, Tony Nice kind of fit in the same same role. He, too. He's a cruiser. He's the, the cruiserweight division stalwart. I think he's. He's still there. I think him and Kim Kendrick and Davari, Arya Davari, are the the last originals left. Yeah, because Noam Dyer, he moved on to NXT UK. NXT UK, and yeah, all those other guys that either gone or, yeah. Oh, like Nice. Nice is the same thing. NYWC guy from the start. He, he did some TNA stuff. He did some Work of Honor stuff, CZW, uh, Maryland Championship Wrestling, he did Shikara. He worked for us for a little while vsw he did uh he did a bunch of evolve stuff too right before he got signed beyond like house of glory so like he he was out there he was he was a top indie guy for a little while i know he i think he did pwg too so like he was it was bound it was bound that he was gonna eventually make it somewhere 
But by the way, too, I didn't mention 2012 did return to Newark, Delaware. And that's where we're at for 2013. Uh, and there was a battle royal, and the winner was not Mr. Ulala. Horse shit. <laughs> it was Jesse K. Uh, we also had a uh, eight man tag t- team tournament that unified the heavyweight title and and uh, mid Atlantic heavyweight title and tag titles for the ECWA. But you had. AHTU, uh, Apollyon, Josh Daniels, and Ricky Martinez defeating Bobby Shields, Danny E, and the dream team of Aiden Chambers and Kakoa the Flying Hawaiian. And then we'll Is ca- that a better dream team than Greg Valentine and Bruce Beefcake? In 2021, yes. <laughs> uh, I would I would book oh, – so anyways. Uh, well, I would book, yeah. I mean, I would book that uh, over them. Uh, but in 2000 – and that's even with my past with Kokoa. I would book him over British Beefcake all day long. Um, so, yeah, two, 2013 here, uh, we got Mike Mondo. Oh, wait. There was, there was a uh, 26-man Invitational Battle Royale. That was where Jesse K won. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we got Mike Mondo defeating VSK. Mike Mondo – um, from the uh, Spirit Squad, he, they him and uh, Kenny were still pretty active to very recently doing the Spirit Squad again, like MLW and on Independence and stuff. Uh, VSK, he you you see him on AEW Dark a lot lately. Uh, one of those all uh, Creative Pro guys. He's really nice guy too. Very he was nice starting, guy. yeah. He was working. He worked uh, every time I die show last year. He's working yep. beyond. He started working at Excite down in Binghamton. Uh, he I've feel like if there was no pandemic, like 2020 would have been his year because yeah. he started really breaking out there. Uh, Damian Dragon and Chris Wild, both, both local guys. Damian Dragon defeated Chris Wild. Uh, Antonio Thomas, and this is what he was doing, Antonio the Promise Thomas. Yep. This is before he uh, would do the awesome uh, Back to Future gimmick that he does now. Uh, he defeated Rhett Titus. And then you had, uh, so Antonio Thomas, former heartthrob, uh, but now you can see him uh, when Beyond was regularly running. Uh, he was doing the Back to the Future gimmick because he, even more than you, Ash, he looks like McFly, uh, Jordan McFly. So yeah. Uh, and then uh, Rhett Titus uh, still in Ring of Honor, <laughs> Ring of Honor lifer. I had Rinker, I think. Well, yeah. no, not had Rinker, but like he, he, he's very, uh, he's very involved in the. Uh, the backstage part of the company, the logistics part of the company. Very cool dude to do shows with, too. Yeah. Uh, we talked about Papadon. And then 2013, Vordell Walker. Because, <laughs> like, Vordell's a guy that you heard in 2004, 2005, 2006 because FIP and he was doing Explosion and Georgia. Like, he was a big part of NWA Wildside. Like, but 2013, Vordell Walker, he's still, by the way, like, I, I'm friends with this ring announcer from Louisiana. He's still working. Vordell's still there. So he had a, he he's had been a, going for over twenty years. He had an NXT tryout two years ago. So like there's how old is he? Um thirty nine ish? Yeah, yeah, like he's been around. But um if you're good, you're good. So there's two thousand thirteen. Um two thousand fourteen, we'll get to the, the women's t- tournament stuff in a second. Um but we'll go over the main uh, the main tournament there, uh, still in Newark, Delaware. Never returned to Wilmington, it looks like. So Wilmington had their run in the early uh, in the late nineties, early two thousands. But 
So, but yeah, we're in Newark in 2014. And non-tournament matches, we got an eight-man scramble. Chris Wilde defeats Atu. Kid USA, and what, another thing, Kid USA in 2014. I thought, feel like I haven't heard that name in over a decade. Yeah, he uh, was a mainstay uh, in Jersey yeah, Indies yeah, in the 90s. Yeah, like Lance and uh, Anwe, uh, Mark Caro, Mr. Ulala, Papadon, and Solo. Um, Ulala in scramble matches. It's got to be something. <laughs> there... There was a singles match where Breaker Morant defeated Napal Bomb, who was accompanied by Joel Blackheart and Phil Sly. Uh, we also had a unified tag match. Team CK, Cage, and Sean Carr popping up here, defeating the D-Line, Black Ice, and the Body Snatcher. Got to ask Sean Carr about the Body Snatcher <laughs> working with him. Sean, um, Sean Carr uh, becomes a mainstay of ECWA for the next for, for uh, a few years. Yeah. A few years there. Uh, and then into the tournament, you had John Schuyler, who he, he if he lived in a different state, he's probably a bigger deal. You know, he, he's along the lines of like um, Corey Hollis and really for the longest time, Caleb Conley and even Chase Owens fall, like unfortunately falls victim to this being like in the south. But being like really good like wrestlers that the internet would absolutely love, yeah. <laughs> like and John Skyler's a guy. He like he's been on radars, and you see him here and there. He did some AEW dark stuff last year, so he's yeah. definitely still on the radar. Again, like Maryland Championship Wrestling, Ring of Honor. Uh, so he's yeah he he's he's doing stuff. But yeah, I guess probably the best way to explain it, like Caleb Conley, maybe even Andrew Everett. Yeah. Or, like, you're out there, you're a quality guy, you might have had... Because, like, him and Corey Hollis forever, they were doing NXT dark, like yeah. job stuff for a while, yeah. A lot of guys, like, it just depends on uh, where you live, too. Like, during during the mid-2000s, I think living in the Carolinas is probably a great idea because you're centrally located. But, yeah, by the time we get into the 2010s, you're kind, you're, you kind of need to be in the Northeast. With all of the feds running, either the either Northeast or Florida would be like a prime, one of the prime areas. So we also had, um, so John Schuyler in that tournament defeated Stephen Walters. Is that John Walters' brother? Because I've seen them, like, I think I feel like I've seen them linked together, but I'm not sure. Uh, uh, that's Cash Wheeler. Is it really? Yeah. See, I, like, I feel like I've seen, so, wow. See, the. And there's no link on Wikipedia. Wikipedia has not caught on to that. There's no link for Stephen Walters. No, so, yeah, I, I double-checked it on uh, Cage Match. He got Cash Wheeler in 2014 in this. So, John Skyler, so they're booking, this, they're booking this, a this few guys Carolina. from the Carolina. Yeah, yeah, they got a car coming from North Carolina. Uh, you got Kowal Storm defeating Matt Saigon. Matt Saigon was like, I don't know much about Kyle Storm. Uh, Matt Cross, they finally, they got him in there. Uh, defeating Grant Akuma, uh, Chikaran mainstay for a while. Uh, Matt Cross, obviously, Lucha Underground and uh, Ring of Honor fame. Uh, Ricky Martinez defeated Oliver Grimsley. I don't know much about these guys. I feel like the name Ricky Martinez kind of rings a bell, but it could be confusing that with a million names that are very similar. Um, you had John Skeller. Yeah, it was Ricky, Ricky Rodriguez. So okay, Ricky, yeah. yeah. Uh, Matt Cross over Ricky Martinez. And then Matt Cross, he finally gets a Super 8 and he beats John Skyler. But yeah, you see a little bit of a North Carolina <laughs> influence in this. And that was the beautiful thing about this tournament. They, like, they use, like, certain, oh, we're going to get HWA, or we'll get some guys in North Carolina. You don't, you don't see a lot of repeats. No. Like, there's a, there's a few here and there, like, 
Tommaso, obviously we said, but there was there was the angle of him finally winning it. You see a few here and there, but like overall, like they tried to bring in new talent every year. And it's so funny because I brought up the Southern influence, and you're going to see it when we after we talk about the chick fight. You're going to see it after we uh, uh, after when we talk about the the next year in uh, 2015. But uh, in 2014, um, we. Uh, that event happened on October 11th. This was the Super 8 Chick Fight Tournament. So, after all these years, they figured, hey, this is working. Why don't we do this for the women? You know, I mean, and, and, and on paper, um, it's it, it's a pretty good idea. You know, why, why don't we do a Super 8 Tournament for the women? Especially 2014 is be the birth of, like, hey, women's wrestling's really good. Um but on this show, they decided to get some of their uh, regulars in. You still saw Bobby Shields defeated Ricky Martinez and Robbie E. Mark Harrow defeated Mr. Ulala, so we had to get Mr. Ulala on the chick fight uh, show. Uh, and then we had the the tournament. So tournament, we had Jenny Rose defeating Annie Social. Gabby Gilbert defeated Nikki Adams. Uh, Tessa Blanchard over Tina San Antonio. Renee Michelle over Candy Cartwright. Uh, then you had Jenny Rose defeating Gabby Gilbert, Tessa Blanchard over Renee Michelle, and then Tessa Blanchard defeating Jenny Rose in the main event here. So, so some of these names, obviously Jenny Rose from Ring of Honor, uh, Tessa Blanchard, I mean, former Impact World Champion. This is still like her starting out yeah. in wrestling. Renee Michelle, obviously. I want to say I worked with her. I worked with her in 17. Yeah, man. And she still wasn't signed yet. So Yeah, yeah. it took him a while. Renee Michelle, obviously. Uh, Did some impacts up recently. Married yeah. to uh, Drake Maverick. Um, Candy Cartwright. You, you, the Matt Riddle stuff. You know, good can, solid Candy, woman's worker. Yeah, she's but, a solid worker. She's been uh, around. She's had a buzz for a while. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, and some of the names like I've kind of seen here and there, any social and stuff like that. But it's a nice concept. They're getting some pretty pro- like prolific or going to be prolific names. Um, and and, I, and it's I very cool that they did that. And I appreciate that it's it's not ran on the same night. They didn't try to do like a double shot where you do like the first round matches of both tournaments the same night or whatever. Like or you mix. No, they're magic. doing it in a different time period too. Six like, months later, basically. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's good. That's smart. Like spread it out. Right, and we actually have a note on this show. Tessa Blanchard, third-generation wrestler, uh, daughter of Tully Blanchard, uh, granddaughter of Joe Blanchard, and people don't always say this enough, stepdaughter of Magnum TA, won the ECWA's first women's Super 8 tournament on October 11th in Newark, Delaware. Uh, Blanchard's gotten good reviews on the end of scene, was actually raised all there ago by Magnum TA. So, yeah, that's thing. She's got Magnum influence as well as, 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 as Tully's influence. So a lot of influence there. Um, good, not, and, good and bad. Good, good, good and bad. Uh, now we're going to go to 2015, and we'll go to the non-tournament matches first. Uh, Non-tournament-wise, we had a four-on-three handicap match. Chuck Payne, J.D. Browning, Kyle Payne, and Phil Slide defeated Kid USA, Mr. Wee, <laughs> and Sam Shields. What is it, Mr. Wee? Is I mean, it? I'd have to go back and watch the footage. There's no, <laughs> there's no link to that on Cage Match, so... Uh, unified. I want to. I want. I, I want to feel like Mr. Ola doesn't work every show. He's like the Undertaker of WrestleMania. Like they're just like, oh, 
Super Eight's coming for Mr. Ulaha is coming back. Takes him a year to get back to, to work off the rust. And he works his, his match. Uh, you had a uh, unified heavyweight title three-way match. Matt Sagan defeating Ricky Martinez and Bobby Shields as well on that show. So then get into the tournament. Oh, and an ECWA women's title match. Oh, I, I missed that. Yeah, Renee Michelle defeating Tessa Blanchard. That's a pretty pretty good women's match to have at that time period. So there were still – it wasn't just a one-time thing with – with having a woman's division. It, it was integrated in their their promotion. Um, so, yeah, 2015, we had Corey Hollis defeating P.J. Hancock. Corey Hollis, everything I said for John Schuyler can be said for Corey Hollis. Uh, Sean Carr defeated Napalm Bomb. Uh, Sean Carr, like I said, a uh, guy from the Binghamton area, did the Ring of Honor Top Prospect Tournament. Uh, we had Jackson James, who don't know about, defeated Bricker Morand. And then Jason Kincaid, another Southern guy from the Tennessee area. Kind of a weird-looking dude. Really good in the ring. He actually worked locally here against Kevin Bennett, which was really good. Yeah, and he had a semi-regular spot up in Smash up in Toronto, too. Yeah. So he he gets around. I want to say he's done Ring of Honor. I think so. I, I feel like they had to have at least looked at him. I, I would imagine they had to have, like... Uh, but then we had Corey Hollis over Sean Carr, Jason Kincaid over Jackson James, and then Jason Kincaid defeating Corey Hollis. Uh, and Kincaid wins the Super 8 in 2015. But yeah, Jason Kincaid's one of those guys, man. Um, I'm surprised he doesn't have a contract right now. Like, it's a very cool, weird gimmick. So Last I knew, I believe he was training, he was training people at uh, Heath Slater School. All right, that's very, very cool. All right, here's... I could be completely wrong, but that's the last thing I believe Jason Kincaid and I have heard. Now, um, we won't get into it in in, in a lot of deal, uh, but uh, there was a note where ECWA was mentioned on February 15, 2016, when Danny Bryan had to retire, uh, as, uh, as far as because of the concussions and all that. Uh, and they, they did mention how he was a big influence in the Jim Kettner uh, tournament. Uh, and they kind of just talk about how their Kettner had a good relationship with WWE that got him access to developmental talent, which is how uh, Danielson was able to work uh, some of those tournaments and then ended up working him after he was released. But, uh, but yeah, so I won't go into too much detail on, on that. I don't know if you want me to cover much on that. Nah, just nah, kind of breezing on we it. pretty much went over all that stuff already. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, uh, and then as far as the um, – we're going to talk about the last couple – but, I mean, as far as the chick fights, they went on all the way until 2019. So I feel like they didn't do one last year. They almost didn't do a Super 8 last year, but they ended up doing it. Yeah, they did 2015, so, 2016, 2017, then 2019. Yeah. And uh, there's – I just want to briefly go through, like, uh, throughout the years, Deanna um Tara Calloway, Kennedy Brink. Um, Karen Q. Yeah. Who's a big part of Steals. Maria Manic, there's Britt Baker, Faye Jackson. Yeah, they, they, they're getting some. Br- they're getting bigger names for the chick fight tournament yeah. than they are for Super Eight. At this Santana point. Garrett. Uh, I mean, some pretty big names are Scarlett Bordeaux. Like, yeah, Zoe Sky. Like, yeah, they. Uh, but yeah, they didn't do one in 2018. They didn't do one in 2020. They didn't run much in 2020, but they did do the tur- the Super Eight tournament. But yeah, like. It seemed like that was a semi-regular uh, regular tournament for them, too. 
So we will, uh, we, we as we're wrapping up here, we will go to uh, 2016, which this this one's. Re- I looked at the results on this one, and uh, I found this one. This is their 20th. They they built it as their 20th anniversary, right? And they called it the All Star Edition. Um, non tournament match had a six man tag where they they like they liked it to put the tag titles and singles belt in these matches. Because they did it again <laughs> with the Super Tag and, and Mid-Atlantic. But you had Pan Corpse Agency, Azriel and Team PCA, Damian Adams and Ricky Martinez, with AJ Pan defeated Bobby Shields and the Sons of Brooklyn, which were Mike Verda, who I talked about earlier, and Talon. Uh, and then you had, I think that was it for non-tournament matches. Then you yeah. had the All-Star Edition, right? So you had Jason Kincaid, who won the year before, defeated Kakoa the Flying Hawaiian, John Schuyler, uh, who, who was... Uh, who was a in it in the finals two years before that defeated Scotty Too Hottie, who was in the 98 tournament. Um, and then Napal Bomb, who made some appearances, defeated Danny Inferno, which is a name you just probably don't hear a lot of nowadays, Mr. Danny Giamundo. But he was obviously he was in the tournament earlier, the first tournament is Inferno yeah. Kid. Yeah. So I could see I can appreciate that they're trying to bring back a few older names. I just put that together. Danny Inferno was Inferno Kid. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Uh, Aiden Chambers uh, defeated Papadon, and then we had John Schuyler beat J- Jason Kincaid. Napal Bomb defeated Papadon, and Napal Bomb. And I hate because this might be the first winner I don't know a lot about. <laughs> defeated John Schuyler, like definitely someone that didn't really break out uh, as much as some of the other names that have won the tournament. Like he did CZW. Back in the day, uh, had brief ring of honor, vicious outcast wrestling. That's our, Good old, that's our, that's our old buddy who uh, was the booker. Of yeah, the Bill Blackcraft. Is, yeah, uh, Maryland Championship Wrestling. By obviously. the way, I should note that they're, NWL. Back, they're back in New Jersey now for these Super Eight since 2015. <laughs> so, 2015, 2016, and 17, they're back in Jersey. But I feel like, especially when you look at the names by like. By this year, the 20th anniversary, now they're really starting to use uh, some more underground names of guys. And it looks like they're really trying to build up some names as we go on. Like, hey, these are eight guys you never heard of. Not like, hey, eight guys that have a buzz. Yeah. Like, I feel like they're like, hey, these are eight. Maybe not eight, but like six of the eight guys you've never heard of before. Um, 2017, uh, some of these guys... Or ended up being pretty pretty big deal, but in 2017 you didn't know much about them. They weren't names. No, in they were not. Uh, but uh, uh, as I like to do, I like to look at the uh, the results uh, as far as what were the uh, matches before that. We had a unified tag title: the Extreme Rednecks, Chuck and, K- and Kyle Payne defeated the Pants Corp Energy, uh, and that was a title change. And he had a heavyweight title match where Azrael defeated Chris Wilde. And now we have the tournament. So you had Leo Rush. Who now is in New Japan and MLW? He's not one of those guys. MLW. And, yeah, but 2017, uh, he really wasn't anywhere. No, he was just doing CCW, I think, uh, at that point. But yeah, you got Leo Rush uh, in here defeating Anthony Bennett, who was in the Cruiserweight Classic. Yeah, he was. Um, Leo LSG Leo Saint Giovanni of Ring of Honor fame, just a young Jersey kid at this point, a Philly kid uh, defeating the Zombie King. Timmy Lou Rudden, who now is in the Gymnasty Boys and is becoming a really rising star on the independents, def- uh, lost to Chainsaw Joe Gacy, 
who recently signed by WWE, and you'll probably see him on NXT television real soon. And he had Brandon Scott lose to hybrid Sean Carr, who we talked about, Sean Carr, guy from the Binghamton area, uh, done some things like a Ring of Honor, and it was a fixture of ECWA. And then, uh, yeah, we had Leo Rush defeat the Zombie King, Sean Carr defeat Joe Gacy, and then in the Super 8, Sean Carr wins, and he defeats Leo Rush. So, uh, yeah. Sean, Sean Carr and Joe Gacy in the semifinals is probably a really good match. Yes. They've probably worked together dozens of times excite, yeah. through, throughout New York. So, I mean, you look at this card, and a lot, a lot of these guys, like, yeah, in 2017, you weren't sure where they were, but I kind of like the concept of finding eight random, like, not random, but eight guys. That, oh, I know they're going to be stars, but I feel like maybe you need a little bit of a drawing power. No, wouldn't you want to say, "Hey, look at this young guy you never heard of beat this this independent wrestling stalwart"? Yeah, I, the tournament went from here's eight top names that you've heard of to here's eight undiscovered talents. That's probably the best way of explaining it. Uh, so, in 2018, uh, we have finally uh, returned to Delaware, but we're in Newcastle, Delaware. So a little different at the Asbury UMC. And there is no non-tournament matches listed on this. So this is straight tournament. So we'll talk about the tournament. Ty Awesome defeated Smiley. Uh, Chase Owens, who's in New Japan, uh, defeated Mike Law. Uh, Anthony Green, August Gray, just recently with WWE, signed with WWE, defeated Cheeseburger, a Ring of Honor fame. And then Richard Holiday of MLW fame defeated Bolt Brady. And then you had Chase Owens over Ty Awesome, Richard Holiday over Anthony Green, and Richard Holiday defeats Chase Owens to win the Super 8. And once again, 2018, a lot of these guys are very unknowns. Yeah, a and lot. Of, now you know some of these guys. I don't really yeah. know Ty Awesome and Smiley and Mike Law. Smiley and, did a little bit of GCW stuff. A little bit, yeah, but. Like, I am confused with KTB, just. For that name, but like, yeah, he's uh, Smiley's done a few things here and there. Also known as the Rock Lobster. That's awesome, awesome. I keep thinking of Larry Norton on a local local DJ from years ago. We have the '97 Rock Lobster, but uh, yeah, did some CCW stuff. Ty, awesome, awesome Maryland guy. Did some uh, WWE stuff, but that's pretty much it. Still young in the business, so obviously some like, of these guys may be a big deal in a couple years. You know? Yeah, but obviously now Richard, we're in 2018 years. Richard so. Holiday obviously is with MLW and uh, his work and beyond. Anthony Green obviously, Austin Gray, uh, Cheeseburger. You already talked about Chase Owens. So in 2019, we returned to New Jersey, which we're in Philadelphia technically, technically Philadelphia. So, but see, Kate Fitch is South Philadelphia Jersey. High School, yeah. which again, like, why would you willingly go into South Philadelphia? You're just mad about that bridge. You hate that Ben Franklin bridge. They overcharged <laughs> me for that toll. It was like a $9 toll. I didn't even want to enter Jersey. Yeah, yeah enter we're in Philly. Philly. So how I talked about when we were talking about the Actually, 90s, no, that wasn't my only bad experience. That wasn't my only bad experience in Philly. Like, I've never had a good experience in wrestling or in or around Philly, but we'll continue. One of the things we have in Philly is non-tournament matches are back. We have... ECWA Unified Tag Title Match where Marcus Walters and the Funky White Boy 
defeated Nick Curry and Vinny Talata. We had a unified heavyweight title six-way where Joey Ace defeated Ty Awesome, Asriel, Black G's, Kokoa, and Mike Law. Uh, and then on to the Super 8 here. And we have Lance Anoa'i defeated. So they were going with a theme on this. This was a theme. This was second, third generation yep. in 2019. So you had Lance Anoa'i defeated Tim Sabisco, Marshall Von Erich. Which, is Tim Zabisco actually related to Larry? That I don't think so. I don't know. Oh, is it just you have a good – you have the name. Let's – I mean, he says – trainer says Team Vision Dojo with Larry Zabisco and Jason Rand. So maybe? Yeah. And, and, good enough for this tournament. Yes. Uh, Marshall Von Erich, son of Kevin Von Erich. We, we just say Lance uh, Samu's kid, right? Is Lance the same as his son? Or? I don't know off the top of my head. He's obviously part of the, yeah, uh, part of the yeah. family. Uh, we have Marshall Von, Von Erich, who's son of Kevin Von Erich, defeating Wes Briscoe, son of uh, uh, Jerry Briscoe. Uh, Leland Race, son of Harley Race, defeated Ross Von Erich, another son of Kevin Von Erich. Brian Pillman Jr., obviously the late great uh, Brian Pillman's son, uh, defeated Colby Carino, the son of Steve Carino. So really cool. I love this concept. And then you had... Um, <laughs> Lance Onaway defeat Marshall Von Erich and Brian Pillman defeat uh, Leland Race and Lance Onaway defeats Brian Pillman and and Lance is like kind of a regular for them too all over that area so like no it was a really it was a really good concept uh, I like this tournament I'm more intrigued with this tournament than any of the other ones so I think especially like you say if you're running Philadelphia if you're running a big city yeah, trying to draw last, people like, five that, six years yeah it's definitely the, yeah it's yeah. definitely catching this is catching your eye this is getting your Tensor, especially now that we're in 2019, which is like now we're in current the current era with Game Changer, with Beyond, with is so many indie feds that you're trying to compete with that you need a hook, you need something to draw people in, and it's a second and third generation tournament, so that's perfect. And then uh, we go to the uh, Super Eight that just happened in 2020, and this was like a close set kind of scenario, uh, but. It was broadcast live on independent wrestling TV. So all those years that they were on Go Fight Live, and finally they you know they're on they're on a consistent streaming. Uh, <laughs> that's something that's s- not going to fail. MLJ and Pele Primo actually did, did the commentary on this. We get the the list on that. But non tournament matches be the marvelous ones: Greg Spitz and Teddy Fine, an old name for the ballpark brawl days. <laughs> JD Luscious said. Mr. Ulala, 2020, baby. That was a title change. So Ulala was the tag champ. Yes, Mr. Ulala. Um, and that was uh, that was. It. Oh no, there was and there was Joey Ace defeated Sam Shields to have the ECW Unified Heavyweight Title. Now, on to the Super Eight tournament, and this is the last Super Eight tournament uh, as of record because 2021 has as a press yet, time. As there will be one this year, they've already announced it. But we had a very good professional wrestler, also known as Dasher Hatfield back in the day, defeated Eric Martin. Arcadia defeated Vinny Pacifico. Matt Tremont defeated Chris Rockwell. KTB over Devontas. A very good professional wrestler defeated Arcadia in the semis. KTB defeats Matt Tremont. And then a very good professional wrestler defeats KTB to be the 2020 ECW Super 8 uh, winner up. Familiar with very good professional wrestler from when he was Dasher Hatfield. Very active on Twitter, too. Uh, Vinny Pacifico has been here and there, done some stuff. Uh, he did some AEW stuff. Like yeah. He's he very nice guy. He knows how to hustle. Uh, so he, he gets his name out there. 
Ar- KTP, obviously. Arcadia, one of those Jersey, all pro Jersey guys is still kicking. Yeah. Um, KTB, yeah. You see him in AEW Beyond, Game Changer. He's he's a guy that broke out recently in the last few years. He, Good he, dude. He will have a contract in the next two years. Yeah. There's 100%. I've worked with him a bunch. I can tell you that guy's going to have a contract in a couple years. Uh, Devontas, I've seen impressive look. Um, don't know much about him, but impressive look. Uh, Chris Rockwell, like, don't know much, but he's been an ECW mainstay. Matt Tremont, th- this was his final year in the business, so was probably wanted to do a Super A because he never did one. Um, yeah, and Eric Martin thinks like another local ECWA guy. But kind of a cool tournament, but I feel they could have probably made it more prolific with a lot of the guys that could use work right now. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like guys are more willing to come in at a lower rate. And I feel like, you know, I get it. You didn't have fans. So you wanted to, like, save as much money yeah. as possible. But they could have even made it more perfect. But, like I said, they, other than Tremont, they're trying to pick eight guys that, like, you didn't really know of. Yeah. So and it was, understand. yeah. And as we have went through the 23 years, 24 years of the tournament, it seems to be, like, the ongoing theme of you want great matches but you also there you also need a good mix of known talent and underground talent that you can that you hope will, will break out and in indie wrestling that's really what every indie promoter looks for like you want that underground guy that is gonna that you can attach your name your fed's name to and hopefully that guy's gonna break Look, out he came from here yeah you know yeah but but yeah i mean to wrap things up here, you know, I know we listed a lot of names on our, but look at an evolution of something from the nineties with guys like Ace Starling and Devin Storm and then the Hardys and then oh you got low key and you got You got AJ, you got AJ Christopher Daniels and Spanky and then you progress to the to the more modern Davy Richards and Tommaso Ciampa. Ciampas and then you get your Leo Rushes of the world and now today like to the KTBs like it, yeah. it's it's you know some of those names maybe you didn't hear of but 90% of the guys are household names yeah looking back like so many of these guys actually went on to do stuff and it's the longest running american wrestling tournament and really Annual like it, america, it, yeah, yeah. It, it hasn't missed a year even with the pandemic they still they got still it made it happen it was a few months later but they still you know, made and, it happen yeah. and uh i believe They've announced it for uh, – they did get announced. It's going to be, I think, in April, I think, they announced it. I can't remember, but I could be wrong on that. But check out ECWA on Twitter and, and see when – And really, happens. like, they, and they didn't – I don't want to say they didn't sell out and move it, but, like, they didn't try to take it on the road. Like, no. they didn't try running. I mean – In 2019 – It happened a little bit, like, with new ownership. They tried Jersey and – and, it's uh, within the Philly. same geographical area. Yeah. It wasn't like they didn't they try did in Chicago. They right. didn't try moving it to Mania weekend and try to run it. Yeah, during like during the collective or anything like that, which would have been an easy thing to do since all that you, you have talent there and you talent, can promote it, yeah. especially with it happening in April. But like, no, they stuck to their guns and they stuck to the tradition they had. Yeah, um, and I, I wish them. You know, the tournament's been on since 1997. I wish them many years. Of success in the tournament. I mean, this is, you know, I know some of these shows, this Carney thing and that Carney thing, like, they ECWA is good for the business, man. Yeah. It's, you know, it's this little little promotion in Delaware, and it's good for the business. Uh, definitely put some, you know, high-profile uh, guys out there and made some household names. So, you know, I thank her for that. Yeah. And, again, like we said, 
every tournament with the exception of two are on IWTV. So go check them out. Uh, if you don't have an account, use the promo code Empire State yeah. to help out ESW and uh, get a free trial and go through and watch some. Same thing with the chick fights. Uh, they've done a handful of those. They've done five of those. Go check those out. Those are all on uh, IWTV too. Yeah, I mean, and it, this has been fun. It, it's almost honestly been a br- breath of fresh air not to kind of talk about all the deeds of a promoter, even though, like, Rowan Alexander honestly had a lot of, more good than bad. Uh, but, you know, uh, it was this is a little bit refreshing thing to do something like this. We, we didn't have to do point-counterpoint of the good and the bad of individual <laughs> yes. people, yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, Joe, I mean, Kettner could have had some bad stuff, but, like, it really wasn't all out there, and, like, he did a lot of good stuff. This will be released uh, last week of January, so kind of get you through the end of the month there, and then we'll be back, uh, you know, with another episode probably the last week of February. If you have any uh, suggestions of what, what you want us to cover, let us know. We'll also, like we did on this one, and we'll announce it on social media in a couple weeks to give you guys time, you know, and give us time to. We've had some ideas thrown out there. Want to hear what you guys want to hear? Like you guys yeah. have great ideas. Keep them coming. Stick, um, yeah, just remember keep it to indies. Yeah, and like for the most part, it was yeah. pretty independent. Like some of the stuff is, you know, you got. So I want to say this: we don't consider the territories independence pre like nineteen ninety. So like, if you want us to cover like continental and stuff like that, there is great podcasts for that. We we don't say this enough, but this show is heavily influenced by Between the Sheets. <laughs> what is yeah. called right now? Like, uh. And I know when I put likes out there and everything, like, you know, um, Chris Elner will like stuff. So Chris Elner, David Bixenspan, if you like this show, you should be listening to Between the Sheets. Yeah. Because they do it better than we do. So. And there's, there's not just that, but there's, like, Stick to Wrestling with John McAdams. There's uh, Mid-Atlantic Podcast that's out there. Uh, Charting the Territories Charting with the Ter- Yep. There's, there's a ton of podcasts out there that uh, talk about the territories and everything uh, in between. <laughs> On that, so like we don't want we don't want to rehash anything they're doing. We don't want to step on their toes. We want to stick to just the indies and like the forgotten indies that don't really get talked about too much. Yeah, you know. So we we really want to thank you guys for listening, support us. Remember RTA Pod on Twitter, Rediscovering the Indies on Instagram and Facebook. Remember to click like and subscribe. Uh, and uh, as time goes on, we'll do some more cool stuff. Uh, like I said, I know we got a nice little uh, feedback from when we put the question out there. So. Thank you guys for listening and uh, support independent wrestling and look up your independent wrestling history. I'm Chris Gallo. That's Jonathan Ash. This is Rediscovering the Indies. Get in here. We got to call this thing. Tighten up. Come here. All right, guys. Here's the situation. Two minutes left. Zero timeouts. Down by a touchdown. We got to drive 75 yards. All right. We could do this thing. I believe in each and every one of you. But real quick, did you guys know that the Two Point Conversation podcast runs five days a week, Monday through Friday, with various co-hosts and different themes every day? And then you can listen to them on BICBP-radio.com, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. So what's the play? Just, all right, just...
Come on, hurry up. Get to the line and just run, and I will get it to somebody. All right? Come on. On three. Ready. Set. Mother. Delay of game. Offense.